What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Movement Boxing Podcast, uh, where we bring you the latest and greatest in unfiltered, uncut news from boxing, keeping it underground, away from the mainstream, give you the raw, real, uncut. As usual, I'm your boy, Twine the Divine Lily of com, moderator, HMIC of this shit. Um, I'm going to pass it on to my co-hosts, let them do some introductions as well, uh, starting off with my boy, 2K, the prodigy. Uh, what's going on with you, man? Yeah, man. See, one day you're going to get my goddamn name right and my motherfucking show right, yo. It's 2K. Hey, I... <laughs> <laughs> nigga, we, we on episode like 43 in this bitch. This nigga every week got a new name for me. Yeah, my man uh, Turkey, the the uh, the angel. I mean, uh, wait a minute. 3K, the, the, uh, the devil. Damn. Uh, yeah, yeah. Prodigy of boxing uh, speaking. We're going to get it right one day, fam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, I'm a creature. I'm a creature habit man, so I'm, I'm working on it, man. By uh, week fifty, I should have it down pat, though. <laughs> <laughs> on the boat, uh, from the truth to facts about Boston, man, what's good with you? Good man. Or uh, he sound like he's sleep, man. Yeah, what's good, man? Anyway, <laughs> what's good, man? We gonna pass it on to Big Cool from Colossal Boston Talk. Colossal Boston Talk. Glad to have you back with us this week, man. Yeah, glad to be back. I'm back. Yeah, and I'm ready to talk some shit about some a shit fighters. But uh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, and from the second half of the truth and facts about boxing, we got Benor. What's going on with you, man? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's going on, fellas? All right. Uh, so y'all ready to get it in on these topics? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, for sure. So we had an interesting week in boxing, of course, uh, as well. Ending. And um, what was supposed to be a, a key match or one of the biggest matches of the year and most entertaining, name to name wise at least. Um, anyways, we're gonna start off uh, with a review of that actual whole card uh, that went on Saturday night. Um, we're gonna do a brief review of the the cards that weren't televised. Um, one of them was the IBF uh, Junior Bantamweight title eliminator between or between um, Rashi Warren and McGill Arroyo that uh, wasn't televised. Um, Rashi Warren won by unanimous decision, um, putting him in line to face Jerwin on Kass. Um So that's pretty much the big thing with that one. Rashi made his debut at 115. I'm not saying I saw much different from him. Um, as 2K points out a lot of the time with Rashi, the ring IQ just ain't there, man. Um, a lot of amateur oh. habits. Um, he doesn't do well. I think it's a, a thing that we see a lot from that 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 stable in Cincinnati, man. But we are gonna get more into that. But the stuff that was effective for him, he went away from and made the fight harder for himself as usual. Even though it was a UD, like I think he could have made it a whole lot easier for him. So. So heading into a fight against Jerwin Nankajas, I'm really not sure what to think of it right now. Um, 
I didn't think he had, you know, he had the same amount of power he had at 118, which he didn't really have a lot of, a lot of pop anyway there. So um, I'm not really expecting them to, to pick up any more KOs going down to three pounds or anything like that. And the out, you would expect more output from, you know, these guys that want 15, they throw hands, man. Warren's output is nowhere equivalent to these guys. You know, he's a, a counter counter puncher pretty much, which is which is rare. You know, from that uh, you know, for that division. So, anyways, man, uh, I want to get you guys to start as far as uh the, the matchup between Jerwin and Kahas and um, Rashi Warren, if it is made. Um, who would you guys favor in that heading into it now? And I'll start with TK. I know he's familiar with both. Oh, fam, I got Jerwin and Kahas, man. Hey, hey, he's somebody that uh, Chats need to look out for. He was actually the first guy to dethrone McJoe uh, Arroyo, took his IBF belt from him. And in that fight, you know, you know, y'all niggas know me. I don't get fights wrong very often, but I got that fucking fight wrong. I had McJoe winning, and Jerwin went in there and dominated that fight <clears throat> from beginning to end. You know what I'm saying? So, um... He's a very flashy fighter. Uh, he he kind of reminds me of uh, uh, Donnie Nietzsche's a little bit. Um, uh, very good boxer, man. I think he has the. I think yeah, I think he might have the reach advantage on uh, on uh, Rashi Warren as well. Um, while Rashi, like you just said, you just mentioned that he has an IQ issue. Um, I think Rashi uh, makes himself vulnerable to pressure. You know what I'm saying? He's a he's a fast somewhat slick fighter i think he you know his style is to be slick but i don't think he has the iq to be uh an excellent slick fighter um but if you apply just a tad bit of pressure to rashi make him uncomfortable in the ring he folds under pressure and you could beat him that way that's how zz beat him so uh i could see jerwin outboxing the shit out of rashi which kind of sounds funny but i think uh jerwin would apply the boxer puncher approach you know, he'd box from the outside, jab his way in, and then apply uh, enough pressure to Rashi to keep him off balance and uncomfortable. So, yeah, I, I, I highly favor Jerwin and Kaz. I think he's a, a, a slept-on fighter at that weight. And a lot of people don't understand. He's only got one loss, and that was five years ago. Since then, he's he's been kicking ass. So that's yeah, a, that's a fight I think Rashi. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's gotten a hell of a lot better. And I, I think that's a fight Rashi should probably try to stay away from. In my opinion, dog, he he he'll probably get mollywhopped by him. All right, um, I definitely think it's an interesting uh, fight just because, like you said, both are boxers. I mean, and we've seen Rashi struggle mainly against pressure fighters, but I think uh, Kahas has the ring IQ advantage. Um, just more diverse of a fighter, honestly. Um, Rashi just hasn't picked up a different skill set that he needs as a pro, in my opinion. And I don't know what it is that just a, a lot of amateur. Uh, stuff in, from that stable, even uh, with output, man. I, I don't know what it is. Like, he does not throw a lot of punches for that weight class. And no, that, that's probably going to be his downside, just like we've seen in another fight from the past weekend. Um, going on to the rest of the panel, do you guys have any feelings as far as uh, the IBF title eliminator and the fight between Warren and Ankahas that's uh, looming uh, once it's announced? Um, I'll go ahead and pass it on to Big Cool. Man, all them Cincinnati niggas the same. So shit, I guess <laughs> I guess the nigga be shit. Like two K just said, niggas don't get pressured and fold. So pressure just pipes and so like for them Cincinnati niggas the same. They flashy, 
on the outside and don't do much on the inside. So fuck them niggas. <laughs> and if you guys don't know, uh, I mean, Big Cool's a little bit hurt right now. He had these some crow over the weekend. We'll get into the rest of that later, man. So I, I definitely feel your pain, man. I was disappointed, but like I kind of we knew what it was prior to the fight, man. Anyways, um, pass it on to the truth and facts about boxing crew. What y'all think about the upcoming fight between uh, Ankahas? Because I think it's actually a good one. Um, it could, depending on how it plays out stylistically, I think it could be uh, pretty entertaining. Um, I'll go ahead and start off with both. Yeah, man, you have, um, like I said, like, like everybody's saying, Rashi, um, for some reason, man, he gets in his own way. He's his own worst enemy. But the problem that he's going to have, especially with Derwin um, Akahas, this dude not only can box, Derwin Akahas will give you angles. He keeps that jab in your face. He all, he's going down to the bite. He's giving you so many different looks that I think that, that Rashid, a fighter like Rashid, who gets in his own way and has a ring IQ issue, that could be an even bigger problem for somebody like him. I mean, if you watch when uh, Jerry when Akahash fought um, with that with that Mexican kid named I think Rodriguez, you watch that fight, man. That was a beautiful display where he kept that jab pumping. He kept giving dude different looks, kept him off uh, off balance. Um, Jerry Akahash is not going to stay on the center line. He's always going to be doing something, even if he's not throwing a punch. He's always putting his uh, jab out there. Sometimes as a stiff jab, as a range finder. So. You know, it's just when, when when you put a guy like that in with Rashid Warren, who seems to stay in his way all the time, it, it, it's not it, – it doesn't give you no confidence, I'll say that. Okay. And, you know, it's not to knock Rashid's performance against Madrell Royal. Um, he's actually a good fighter. We've seen him uh, – you know, he's he's been in there against some good names, you know. Um, he was in there against Chocolatito as well, right, the, the, fight, the, the fighter that lost oh. the shoe in the ring. Mick Williams. Mick Williams. Now the brother. Gotcha. Okay. Just making sure I was uh, correct on that one. So glad you got me back on that. But um, he's been in there against some good competition, man. So it's definitely a good fight. And it's not not a knock against Rashi, man. But I don't know. We'll we'll get into more talks about that whole camp in a minute. Um, We'll go ahead and go into the next fight from the evening that uh, I guess was uh, Big Baby Miller against Gerald Washington. Um. I'm not. We're not gonna go into detail. Pretty much, it wasn't. It was a stinker. You know what I'm saying? One-sided by Big Baby Miller after the first round. Um, ended what I believe by ninth round uh, stoppage from the ref. Um, he didn't put him eighth, down, eighth. put Washington down or anything. But eighth round. Eighth, eighth round, yeah. Okay. So uh, Big, Big Baby didn't put him down or anything, but he was constantly on him, rocked him a couple times, and you know he had Washington scared to throw back. So. Um, I'm not sure if everybody got a chance to watch this one. Who wants to break it down, man? I checked it out. Um, okay. <clears throat> well, the thing, I mean, it's not too, too, too much to break down here. Um, and for the sake of time, I'm, I'm going to keep it short. It's like I kept the other one short. It's really a matter of, um, coming into this fight. You look at Gerald Washington style. Um, I think a blind trainer, Stevie Wonder was a motherfucking trainer. This nigga would still be able to come up with the right game plan for Gerald Washington to beat Jarrell Miller. I mean, it's keep the jab in his face, keep boxing from the outside, and keep moving. Uh, he did two of those things. One, which was one of the biggest aspects that would help him get the win, he couldn't do, and that was to keep moving. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Gerald Washington never really had great footwork in the first place. That's why it was so fucking astonishing to see him beating Deontay Wilder four straight rounds. 
um, the way that he did before he eventually got knocked out. Um, but, you know, a lot of people figured, hey, he did it to Deontay. He could do it to Jarrell Miller. But that wasn't the case. And I think uh, the reason behind that is because Gerald was hitting this motherfucker everywhere. <clears throat> Gerald was 286 pounds going into this fight. 298, and you, 298. 95. I'm, I'm sorry. 295, yeah. Sorry, 295. Yeah. 295, okay. So you add, I always add about 10 to 15 pounds just to be safe for uh, a rehydration weight. So we're talking a guy being in the ring over 300 pounds, and he's hitting you in your shoulders, your arms, your stomach, you know, you're taking shots to the head by this guy, you know what I'm saying? It's going to sap your stamina at a colossal rate, you know what I'm saying? And that's what we've seen. we never really seen Joe Washington have serious stamina issues the way he did by round five in this fight, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I think he, when he fought, a, <clears throat> I believe it was Fred Cassie, we saw that he had stamina issues, but it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't the way it was in this fight. And I really believe it was the fact that Jarrell Miller <clears throat> was hitting him with so many power shots, and he's got all that weight behind his shots. It was sapping uh, Gerald Washington's stamina. Therefore, he couldn't move the way that he would have liked to move uh, in that fight, which kept him in front of Jarrell Miller, and it allowed Jarrell Miller to handle this motherfucker from literally the beginning of the fight. You know what I'm saying? But one of the things I will say before I, I start knocking these two niggas, <clears throat> Gerald Miller's... <laughs> <laughs> Gerald Miller's jab in the sixth round was excellent. I was surprised that he actually had the IQ to understand that his jab was working for him and to be able to continue to execute it. I mean, he was jabbing. He was doubling up on the jab. Everything he did was set up behind a jab. I mean, I seen this nigga do a double jab and then a straight right hand to the body. I ain't never seen Gerald Miller do some calculated shit like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And he did it. He did it well. He did it continuously. Um, now, by round five, though, literally, you had one motherfucker that, that needed a respirator, and the other motherfucker was looking for an asthma pump. I mean, I said in my show, dog, these two niggas look like Kimbo Slice, rest in peace to him, versus Dada 5000. It looked like that fight by round six. These two niggas just tired as shit, leaning on each other, breathing hard as fuck. You know what I'm saying? And literally, dog, to be honest with you, the fight was most likely stopped because Gerald Washington was too motherfucking tired to come out in the ninth round, dog. Like, the referee went over there and waved his hands, but his corner called the fight off. You know what I'm saying? And I think it was really due to exhaustion. While he was taking punches, by that time, Jarrell Miller was so fucking tired, the punches weren't devastating. You know, yeah. Gerald Washington wasn't hurt. I mean, it was, it was pure fatigue that uh, uh, got his corner... To say, you know what, fuck that. Fight's done. This nigga can't even barely walk back to the corner and shit. We're not going to fuck up, you know, uh, uh, our fighter's brain due to his lack of oxygen getting into his body. Let's go ahead and call this fight off. So it was a terrible, it was a terrible fight in my opinion. Um, Jarrell Miller looked like shit, but it was the kind of shit that allowed him to do just enough to get him to win against a guy like Gerald Washington. A guy that... Shit. It's cl right. Sprint, okay, glittery shit. Exactly. <laughs> so, and, and let me elaborate on that. He looks like shit while, to the degree of me comparing him to other, the other three world champions in the division. I think he has a chance against Joseph Parker just because I think Joseph Parker is the weakest link. But Deontay Wilder fucks him up. 
All that shit he talked on satellite radio about Deontay Wilder, he might want to renege on that shit now. You know what I'm saying? Deontay fucking big titty ass nigga up. You know what I'm saying? Then you got uh, uh, Anthony Joshua. He'll fuck him up. As robotic as Anthony Joshua is, man, he he might knock him the fuck out, bro, with them uppercut, four rounds. Uppercut, all he need, that uppercut, that uppercut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's not going to be uh, a good thing for Jarrell Miller to fight those guys the way he fought Gerald Washington. And Gerald Washington was a step-up fight for him. I mean, I know he fought Fred Cassie before that, and he didn't really look that good against Fred Cassie in route to a third-round knockout, but... Joe Washington was still another step-up fight on the same level as a Fred could see, and he looked bad again. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's only right for us to conclude that if he fought the top notch of the division, he'll fuck around and lose and lose badly. But I do give him a chance against Joseph Parker. But, man, this, this really wasn't a good look for him. But at the end of the day, he's still undefeated. He's 19-0, so shit, props to him. Yeah. Um, anybody else want to touch on this one before we go into the headliners? Um, Bo, Bernard. I was a little, what was y'all concerned about him coming in almost 300 pounds? And to me, it wasn't like, it, he was real solid to me, which kind of. And Bernard, Bernard, before, yeah. before you continue, let me let me just add this, my bad. The nigga said he lost 40 pounds. He said he lost <laughs> That's what I was saying. <laughs> so he, he said he lost 40 pounds coming into this fight, dog, and he was still that big. That's crazy. Yeah. Nah, I, I mean, I mean, but it's not a super, super sloppy three hundred neither. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like that's what I said. He still, was solid looking, it, solid looking. But he still was gas though, man. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's a sloppy yeah. looking, solid looking. The motherfucker was gas. So imagine if he step up against whoever Wilder, whoever it is, better than who he's been fighting. I mean, they're gonna put the pedal through the metal and shit. He's gonna be done by the fucking third, or fourth round. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you go against a Joshua who throws shots to the body, even though he ain't as big as Klitschko at all. You know, Joshua will exploit that. But, I mean, shit. I mean, he, he got fast hands for a big-ass nigga like that, but he squares himself up too much when he goes to attack. I mean, just like nigga out of shape. I ain't never seen a nigga like, I don't know, man, three, 298 pounds, bro. That's a super fucking yeah. heavyweight. I mean, I mean he I, like, I, you know, many of us questioned, we questioned his stamina and how he would last throughout the fight, and he kept the output. I mean, even though his punches didn't have nothing on him after, like, round six or seven, I mean, he still kept peppering out 60 to 65 punches around, according to, you know, CompuBox during the fight. So I was pretty right. impressive for his size, even though, like, he knew there wasn't nothing on him because he should have ultimately got Washington out of there and, instead of a, just a, a stoppage by the corner or whatever. Um you guys any, got anything else you want to add um, as far man, as Chris Ariola part two, man. Chris Ariola, everybody made excuses about that nigga's weight. You know what I'm saying? And he got to shake stick in his ass. Well, just Miller's just not going to be no champion or, or whatever he, he got aspirations to be. You know what I'm saying? He just, you know, it ain't just a, besides the lack of lack of skills and, and shit that he possess or don't possess that's going to, you know, make him come up short against these other guys. Yeah. All right, so we'll go ahead and move into what was the uh, co-main event of, um, well, the card from Saturday night on Showtime. Um, we had Jamal Charlo facing uh, Don't Cry For Me Argentina for the WC middle middleweight uh, title eliminator, um, Jorge Sebastian Highland. Man, um, I'm not sure what round that one ended in, but I laughed a lot. That's Whoa. all I know. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker was in that motherfucker. 
That motherfucker was moving like he had something stuck in his foot and he didn't want to put playing his foot and shit. That motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to break this one down because, I mean, even though this guy was ranked uh, number three by the WBC for this uh, title eliminator, like, he just wasn't able to do much. So, I mean, you can't really gauge Charlo because he dominated, but he did look like he improved and put his punches to, a lot together a lot more better, you know, um, in this fight. Um, I'll go ahead and pass it to 2K if he wants to add anything he saw, you know, uh, just so he can do the analysis. Oh, yeah, he did tell us that. My bad. Um, Bo? Yo, what's up, man? Hey, <laughs> man. Come on, Bo. Bring the energy, man. You sleep over there? Oh, man, man. You need to energize. I'm going to leave, bro. If you're going to be like that, bro. Bro, what's going on with y'all? What, what y'all talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey I, I, I take over. I yeah, go ahead. We're talking about the uh, Charlo fight. Um, basically, I, I, me and Twine was going back and forth uh, in the messenger when we were discussing the fight, and we was like, "Yo, what the fuck was wrong with uh, old dude's leg? Like, he couldn't even keep <laughs> his shit was like straight. Like, it was really funny. It was go, he, yeah, he was knocking his leg straight. Like, yo." <laughs> Like it was the oddest thing. He'll get hit, and his left leg was his left leg. It will lock up. It yeah. Was like, damn. Like, man, I'm, about to, I'm about to look at that shit right now, man. I'm I'll tell you, hey, 2K, you are going to die. It was so yo, funny. Yo, it, it was, was some trick out shit. Cause we was like, I was like, yo, I thought he okay. He, when I called the fight off, I called right after the knockdown. So my assumption was, hey, he got knocked down. He fucked his leg up. He got a, uh, you know what I'm saying? So he's, he's fucked up. No, contrary to the belief, when you heard the commentators, apparently they try to wrap his knee up earlier. Yeah, he had an injury already. He had a prior injury going into that fight, and that's what it showed. Hey, I salute him from going into the ring, fighting with the injury. But it was really, you can't, like you say, like Twan just said, you can't really get, Charlo pretty much had an easy target, and he was tagging him. Uh, if anything, I would like to hear what y'all have to say about his comments saying he's the next Tommy Hearns, the next Sugar Ray Leonard. And, um, oh, he said he's the first Tommy, Tommy Hearns. Like, he's the real Tommy Hearns. That's what he said. The I'm real like, Tommy Hearns? I'm like, what? I, 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 I don't know <laughs> if I want to call somebody with power who are the Wee Chin. Yo, I'm gonna call myself Tommy Hearns. I don't know if I want to call myself Sugar Ray Leonard, man. But uh, well, hey, I, 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 we I can't not them up at all time. Great. Wait, wait, wait. What yeah. else said in this post fight press conference? I heard he did call out Danny Jacobs as well. I didn't get a chance to to, to see the. Post no, I don't. I don't. I think he said he's ready for all of them. He ain't call out nobody specifically. Okay, he just he, said he, he was he, the real Tommy he, Hearns. Like, he called he called them out before this fight though. He called them he called out Danny Jacobs yeah, we, we, yeah. and Triple yeah, G are, when yeah. he moved up to one sixty. So it it's already known that he wants to fight those guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So but a, a, a regarding that Tommy Hearns shit, it, they don't even have the same style, fam. Like Tommy Hearns, that nigga's jab was his uh that was his starting punch, like with for everything. I mean he, he Tommy Hearns could throw a combination with just a jab and shit. You know what I mean? And right. uh, Jamal Charlo doesn't do that. I mean, he does use his jab occasionally, but it's not. He doesn't have. It's not his primary weapon. You know what I'm saying? And then the footwork no, of Tommy Hearns, 
Tommy Hearns' footwork is way better than Jamal Charlo's. You know what I'm saying? So, nah, man, they don't even – I don't even know. That nigga tripping. Yeah, that's Sugar Ray Skinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 His right hand, Tommy Hearns' nah, right hand is way better than Charlo's. You get by Tommy Hearns' right hand, you're not getting back up. Yeah. Nah, but uh, yep. healing yep. Halen was looking like Sergio Martinez when he fought Cotto in that bitch. For real, he couldn't do shit. Yeah, right, he, did. Like, yeah, yeah he did. He actually was a Sergio Martinez fighter. Um, he's actually been promoted by Sergio Martinez, by the way. Um, so, good comparison. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Um, <laughs> but no, I like I like Jamal. How he, you know, he let the fight come to him. He let the knockout come to him. He didn't press it. You know, he showed discipline and patience. He used the jab a lot in this fight. You know, threw the right yeah. uppercut, the right hand. So, I don't know if his power though translated because although he dropped him and hurt him, the guy did, you know, show some some heart, you know, so I don't know if his power quite translates from 154 to 160 remains to be seen, but he got good enough boxing skills and still good enough pop to keep guys, you know, you know, respecting his, you know, his punching power, but I don't know if he's going to have that devastating KO power like he did at 154, so he better, you know, become mm-hmm. like Tommy Hearns and use that jab and everything else. Well, he don't necessarily need devastating punches. All, all he needs is enough power to make motherfuckers not want to get up on him. Stay honest, yeah. I think I think he has that at one sixty. Yeah, he has at least that at one sixty. Yeah, I think he I think he has it, but you know, like he fought Austin Trout. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be guys at one sixty that's equal size, and, and then gonna give him dog fights, and can he hold up to those shots as well? So he's gonna have to be more, way more disciplined at one sixty than he was at one fifty four. That's what I'm trying to say. So it's good yeah. to see that he. Patience, um, I don't know if I agree with that 100%. I, I see what you're saying, mm-hmm. Big Cool, and it's, it, you you have valid points, but I, it kind of makes it kind of sounds as if uh, you're saying the guys at 160 are better than the guys at 154, and I disagree with that. I don't think Danny Jacobs is a better fighter, and y'all might disagree with this. Let me know if you do. I don't think Danny Jacobs is an overall better fighter than Austin Trout. I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? That things that Danny Jacobs does in the ring, you know what I'm saying? He, he looked very good against Triple G, no doubt about it, but he still makes a hell of a lot of mistakes. And a guy like uh, Jamal Charlo, you know what I'm saying? He can actually, he's smart enough to exploit those mistakes. You know what I'm saying? I think Jamal Charlo, to be honest, y'all could disagree with me again. I think Jamal, Jamal Charlo has a better IQ than Triple G does. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in regards to the type of fighter that Danny Jacobs is, if that was standing in front of Jamal Charlo, I think Charlo would be able to exploit those those errors, you know, those those uh, uh, discrepancies in Daniel Jacobs' style much better than Triple G tried to I do. When agree. They I agree. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think I agree, he yeah. capitalize more. Yeah, I could agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, um, there's one more thing too, though, man. You, you got to look at the fact that okay, he's. He's fighting at 160, and for for a while he should have probably been at 160 because his frame at 154 yep. he was he was growing out that 154 frame for a minute, and then yep. I mean you look at his body of work that jab now I I don't know what it was with them not letting him fight with his with his leg wrapped up or whatever I I don't understand that I'm I was trying to figure that part out but if you look at what he was effectively doing dog that jab especially for him to be jabbing with a southpaw that jab of his is super effective at at and at, at, at one sixty. When you look at one sixty, once you get past Gennady Golovkin and who you got Golovkin, you got 
You got, but now I'm just saying, like, you got Golovkin, you got Billy Ho, and maybe even Carnello, okay? And even when I throw in Daniel Jacobs, if you throw them names in, let's take them names out. I don't see a Willie Monroe. I don't see a Curtis Stevens. I don't see a Dave. I don't see none of them motherfuckers being better than uh, some of them dudes we see at 154. And that's so that to 2K's point. So, I mean, I mean, him going to 160, as far as I'm concerned, is a perfect move for him. And he's a dude, he's a, he's a, um, he's a dog who wants to fight these guys. Like, he ain't, you know what I'm saying? He's coming in and saying, yo, I want to whoop y'all ass. And, you know, yeah. that's, that's always good to hear from somebody. Yep. We will continue to speak on that during the show as well, um, relating to the Charlos. Um, what was I about to say? Okay, um, with this fight, like I said, this puts him in position to face the winner of Canelo in Triple G, and really is really uh, Triple G has to win that fight for it to be a real uh, title defense. Um, if Triple G happens to lose, the title will be vacant, thus making a, a vacant title match between him and Danny Jacobs, the two highest-ranked middleweights uh, by the WBC right now, and under them is David Lemieux. So, I mean, that's pretty much the scenario is looking like if uh, Canelo beats Triple G, the WC belt will be vacant. If Triple G wins, you could expect him to face Charlo um, sometime probably next year after the other mandatories and all that other bullshit works itself out with all the belts. Um, anything, you guys, like, what else expectations? You, if you guys have any other expectations, like you actually see him uh, becoming a titleist at 160 within the next year or so. Let, let me get you guys' thoughts on that. You know, say was, the fight with Triple G does happen. Or, um, you know, even Jacobs, well, you know, 2K touched on that one a little bit already. But uh, what do you guys think as far as him actually winning a title within, you know, a, a certain time frame within the next year? I was just going to say – I was just going to say, we might as well get ready for uh, a possible Jamal Charlo versus Daniel Jacobs for that vacant WBC title because Triple G is not beating Canelo. That's all I got to say. Straight up. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, I agree with that. I agree with that statement. All right. Um, so we're going to go ahead and go to the main event of the night, which turned out to be a, I won't say it was a stinker, but it wasn't what we thought it would be. Um, we had Adrian Broner and Mikey Garcia for the uh, WBC Diamond Belt at one forty. Hold up, hold up! I gotta interject. This nigga said he said it wasn't a stinker, but we it was what we didn't think it was gonna be. I, it was exactly what I thought it was gonna be. I knew what the outcome would be, but I thought I had different expectations for, for one of the opponents Shit. as far as uh, yeah, I did, yeah. one of the competitors. Go back and listen to my video I made a month and a half ago. I said, Danny, I said, uh, Mikey Garcia may walk all over Adrian Brown. I said this a month and a half ago. And niggas came to my channel so I'm like, oh, nigga, you, nigga, you just hating on Broner, nigga. That nigga the beast, nigga, nigga, elite fight. I'm like, bro. He is a B-level talent, nigga. Mikey Garcia is going to whoop this nigga's ass. And lo and behold, told y'all stop going against me, man. <laughs> did nobody go against you? Well, maybe Big Pooh did. I think we all picked. Uh, I'm pretty sure we all picked Garcia last weekend for us that were on the show. Um, yeah, I didn't go against 2K. I was just blinded by that, that nigga. Man, that, yeah. Just, yeah. Fuck that, you that nigga. had your hopes that, up and you were loyal to him. I know, that, I know what you did. That nigga cool. Big Cool had me on his show. He had me on his show. And, you know, I'm just being a good old dude. You know what I'm saying? Giving my opinion. And I gave my opinion. I thought it was a good, you know, breakdown. This nigga Big Cool came on and said, nah, nigga, fuck that. 
Nigga, you don't know shit about box, nigga. Hey, hey, nigga hey, about buildings, nigga. I was like, damn, okay, maybe I don't know shit. Hey, he sounded like a motherfucker. He like a motherfucker. I ain't saying that shit. You don't know. I ain't saying that shit. All right, hey, man. Um, pretty much we, last week when we did our little breakdown of the fight, we said it already. AB had to match Mikey's output, and he didn't do that shit once again. Um. 2K, I don't know if you want to do a breakdown on it. It's not much to, but, you know, there were some interesting rounds that made you believe some things. But other than that, Mikey kind of, he dominated it, man. Um, yeah. Let's get your assessment yeah. of everything. And go ahead, 2K. I mean, one of the main things I said, I'm going to try to keep this short as possible. One of the main things I said uh, in my, in my uh, prediction video was that Adrian Broner has to be first. And, uh, and being first, Man, he's got to keep Mikey Garcia out of rhythm. I try to tell Kaz, Mikey Garcia is a complete fighter. He can fight on the inside and he can fight on the outside. And especially to a guy uh, like Adrian Broner, who likes to pretty much stay in front of his opponents, he's going to be food for Mikey Garcia if he's not moving and if he's not being first. Um, the thing that, that I also said would kill Adrian Broner was the angles. Mikey Garcia is an excellent uh, pivoter. You know what I'm saying? This motherfucker can throw you throw combinations and give you that half pivot. You know what I'm saying? And when he was doing that to Adrian Broner, Broner didn't know where this nigga was. You know what I'm saying? And that was the that was really the tail of the fight. You know, uh, AB was, uh, 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 you know, he would be first, but then Mikey would either come over the top or maybe feint him, and uh, AB would 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 uh, read into the feint, and then Mikey would then throw his committed punch and then give him a pivot. You know what I'm saying? Another thing that uh, Broner did was low volume. That's another thing I said would kill him. Low volume, dog. I said he has to be first and he has to let his hands go. If he has low volume or if he's in that wide-ass stance or both, he's going to get murked by uh, Mikey Garcia. You know what I'm saying? So pretty much a lot of shit that I just said right now and that I mentioned in my prediction video that I said would be a negative, uh, uh, negative factors for Adrian Broner, he did that in this fight. One thing that he did do that I said he needed to do was uh, be first. He was doing that early on, uh, maybe the first couple of rounds. And then uh, towards the end of the fight, yeah, he won a couple yeah, of rounds. Yeah. But, but that middle for at least seven rounds, nigga, he was getting his ass beat. And he was waiting. And he had low volume. I mean, he was, there was times he was just standing there with his gloves up. And fucking Mikey Garcia is just hitting this nigga, pivoting. Hitting this nigga, pivoting all over the place. Yeah, he he didn't just he wasn't just dedicated to one part of his body, fam. He was going to the he was going to the body, going to the top. I mean, he was he was mixing it up with combinations. He would do this uh, this lunging um, uh, right hook. It's not even a right hook. It's it was kind of like a jab hook. I don't even know how to explain that shit because the nigga would be on his left. He'd be kind of standing on his left side and he would lunge in. And it would look like a straight right hand, but it would come off as a hook. And he also did this little thing. It was like an upper, it was like an uppercut, kind of a jab. It started off as a jab, but then it would come under as an uppercut. I don't even know how to explain that shit, but it was hitting Adrian Broner flush. You know what I'm saying? And, and that last punch that I was talking about, he was hitting him with that when Broner was up against the ropes. I mean, it was almost automatic. You know, it, it was a complete thrashing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Broner was completely outclassed. Um, just the fact that, you know, he, he 
Broner's never going to be that focused fighter that everybody wants him to be. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think a lot of people, you know, I was asked a question about this from a couple of my subscribers, you know, about uh, AB and his, you know, why people continue to support him. And it's really just a lot of people were were uh, amazed by what the work he did at 130 and 135. And I, even I was, you know, at one point I was telling niggas, yo, you know what I'm saying? AB is that nigga. I was, shit, I was like telling my wife to go get my brush whenever that nigga won so I could brush my fucking hair. You know what I'm saying? So, that I nigga mean, got hair. If y'all don't know, 2K is bald. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was like, yeah, what's that nigga? I got a very short fade. You know what I'm saying? A very short fade. You know what I'm saying? And I was brushing that shit, nigga. You know what I mean? And that, that's how high I was on AB. I didn't really do that, but fuck it. Y'all know what I'm saying? That was how I was high on AB. You know, but I knew I knew when he was going to skip 140 and go to 147, I knew he was going to take some L's. And if you look at his resume at 140, he has four fights. I mean, at 147, excuse me. He has four fights at 147, uh, uh, four of them that are actually within the 147 limit, okay? My record for him is one in three. I thought he lost to Pauly Malignaggi, right? He lost to Sean Porter. He lost to fucking uh, uh, Marcos Maidana, but he beat Adrian Granados. Now, a lot of niggas, including my man B, thought he lost to Adrian Granados, right? So you could easily say Broner's 0-4 at 147. So, I mean, yo, I, it, it's, as soon as he left 135, it was really a situation where it was like, okay, this nigga, uh, I, don't, I don't think he's ready for those guys. And we've seen him take those L's. Then we're talking about Mikey Garcia, a fighter who's always focused 100% of the time. He takes boxing one, uh, 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 completely seriously. He's a much better fighter than his ex-world champion brother, uh, Robert Garcia. I mean, it, it was a fight that you could see from the beginning that it was going to be uh, a bad matchup for Broner. But I got to give credit, and this is my last point. I'm going to give it to y'all. I got to give credit to AB. He has the fucking heart, and he has the fighter's mentality something that I always want all of these other boxers to have to the point where he has no problems getting in the ring with anybody out there. And that's why he takes his L. So for that reason, I don't want to see AB retire, nothing like that. I don't want to see him fight no fucking Victor Ortiz. Let him get back in the ring and fight another motherfucker that he thinks he can beat. For that reason, I will give him his respect. He has heart. He'll fight anybody. And everybody else should respect him for that as well. All right, so I think I'm going to throw another angle based off of that last statement. Um, me and Bo kind of got into this after the fight, you know, talking a little bit. Um, and like you said, a lot of people had expectations that we were going to see the focus Broner that we, we, we've been wanting to see with this fight because he had to be that way to be the Garcia. Um, me mm -hmm. and Bo got into it after the fight as far as, um, you know, is he the can man? Bo actually did a post about this uh, based off of something I had said, you know, and he said, um, is he the can man or, you know, a con man, a con artist, you know, because that's what I pretty much said. Oh, yeah, you know, I've seen that. Fight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, I pretty much thought he, he pretty much conned us, you know what I'm saying? Especially with the way he came off in the post-fight interview. Yeah, that was definitely a con job, man. Like, you come to fight. Are you, you I mean, you get in the ring with anybody, but do you actually come to fight? And that that was uh, the question that I guess I want to pose now, man. Huh. Um, does he come to fight for these things, man? Because come tenth round, he had an output of under three hundred punches, and then this is in the tenth round. Um, yeah. And you see parts later in the fight to where he was bullying Garcia, and I'm like, dude, 
the same way you did against DeMar- uh, DeMarco, where you were, it became you bullying him. Like, you could have implemented more of that in this fight, which he had to, because I don't think he's necessarily a good boxer from the outside. I think A.B. is better up clo- in close quarters, personally. Um, Agreed. But let me get you guys' take on that, man. Does he just come? I mean, he'll get in the ring with anybody, you know, that that's, a, that's you know, does, but does he come to fight? Does he come to really give himself the best chance to win? And, like, we, we don't see that in this continuous. Like, we, I don't know. And it goes back to that camp, man, the output, everything. We see it even with Warren. Um, you know, Mike Stafford actually got on him in this fight and was telling him yeah. the right to do. So yeah. I, couldn't put it, I couldn't put it on Stafford this time, at, like in other fights. No, um, it's still his fucking man, fault. Man, look, man. It's still his fault. <laughs> but, <laughs> man, I don't know, man. Brona, he a part-time fighter. I guess he fight part, like, you know, he don't fight the first six rounds. He fight the last six. I mean, I can't say yeah. he don't come to fight. I mean, because if he didn't, some of these motherfuckers, Porter would have put him on his ass and knocked him out, even though he ain't the biggest puncher, but still, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's hard to explain this nigga, man, because he got, like TK said, he got the heart of a fighter. He has a good chin, but the nigga is lazy. He don't throw enough punches. He don't try to get better, man. He don't try to. He don't put no effort in trying to better himself as a fighter. So he, he just want to be a B-level fighter. I'm going to just say all this shit in the final blow, man, because this nigga pissed me off. Not because I wanted the nigga to win, just because I thought he would, like you said, would bully Mikey and put a better effort. But that was the casual on me, and I admit that shit. Okay, so let me get TK's... Uh reaction as far as the um like the, the things that AB did do well do you think if he would have implemented a more that he could actually got a, a stoppage against Mikey who's been down against less powerful guys than AB um because like I said I, when I thought he when he started to bully him I thought it was something that Mikey didn't really like in there um yeah I, I get uh, let me I get actually, get 2K's take on it I actually had two game plans for Adrian Broner, and one of them was if Mikey Garcia elected to stay on the outside, that Adrian Broner would have to bully him. So, uh, but uh, Mikey really did more of the. He was doing more of the uh, aggression. He was the more aggressive fighter. He was the one that was cutting off the ring on on Adrian Broner, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, AB could have done more bullying like he did Antonio DeMarco. But here's the catch. Now, I'm not sure if you fellas uh, uh, share my sentiments. I think Mikey Garcia was just as big as Broner in this fight. I don't think Mikey was the smaller guy. It didn't look no. like that to me. No, um, not to me either. Okay. I, I didn't, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't think he looked small at all. Uh, to be honest with you, he looked very full. He looked like he, uh, he looked like 140 was a good weight for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, with that said, I don't think Adrian Broner would have successfully been able to bully him like he did Antonio DeMarco. I think the same shit would have happened. He, uh, uh, Mikey Garcia's IQ is another thing yeah. I forgot to mention. Definitely He's a very smart fighter. Yeah, mm-hmm. he would have adjusted. And that's, that's one thing that I try to get people to understand. A lot of cats out there in the YTBC, I really, I, I, well, not a lot. <laughs> Some niggas out there in the YTBC, I really respect. Um, but... Some of them same niggas, was, they did not understand uh, how good Mikey Garcia was. And it's kind of astonishing, you know, listening to their previous videos and hear them talking about other fighters, you know, assessing their boxing knowledge for them to not know how good Mikey Garcia was. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, the IQ thing was probably the biggest deal, the biggest advantage for him. Because, 
like I said, he's a complete fighter. He would have definitely adjusted to anything Adrian Broner would have done. And the fact that I don't think he was the smaller guy in this fight, uh, AB being able to bully him, I don't think he would have been able to do it successfully. I think Adrian should have went to the body early. I mean, because it seemed that, that that was the one thing that seemed to affect Mikey more than anything Broner did was when he was going to the body, I guess, rounds 10 and 12, you know, last three, four rounds. But like I said, he couldn't get close enough or, you know, he don't have the fastest feet, the best feet. So, I mean, Mikey just really took him apart, man. So the movements, he would turn them when uh, A.B. would get momentum. He would just snatch it right back. A.B. went back to the ropes. You know, I don't know if it was because he was tired. He was trying to lure him in and counter him or whatever it was. But, I mean, pretty much it was levels to it. And they was a good one or two levels apart in, in talent-wise and in preparation. So, you know, props to Mikey, man. He totally dominated Brown from Brown. The commonality two, between two, these, uh, the Cincinnati camp, man. Um, they can't fight going backwards. They just don't look good on the back foot. Um, yeah, it's just, Mikey uh, pretty much led that fight. You know, um, he was even comfortable fighting backwards, which is something a lot of fighters aren't doing. Um, we've seen every, all of the uh, Cincinnati fighters lose going backwards. Um, you know, Rashi Warren, AB against Maidana. Uh, Jamel Herring against uh, Shafikov. I mean, they cannot fight off the back foot for some reason. But that's just something that that's a commonality between that camp out there. Um, but anyways, we're going to uh, dive into our next talk. Well, I guess we could do a little bit more, man, because there's a lot at stake for Mikey Garcia, man. And I want to give him all the props in the world because, you know, he definitely, um, you know, I always felt highly of him, but I think this was the fight he needed to, to become recognized with a lot more other people, you know what I'm saying? Um, especially fighting in Barclays as opposed to the West Coast where we see him a lot. Um, a bigger name, 140, a bigger class, more known, you know, more notor- more not- notoriety. Um, with that said, man, um, there are some things that came out after the fight, you know, even today. Um, of course, Leonardo said he wants to do it uh, towards the end of the year against uh, Boy, oh, shit. We're going to touch on all that. <laughs> uh, also, we have Mikey Bullshit. saying, you know, he wouldn't mind taking a look at Keith Thurman at 147 if he can't get oh. nothing to pan out at 135. Um, we'll or even we'll a, yeah, and of course, you know, there's some, you know, things looming at 140 now since he's the WBC diamond belt holder, even though, you know, Terrence Crawford is going for the unification against Ndongo. Um, you know, with, within the next couple of weeks. Um, so let me get you guys to take what's what's the next best move for Garcia? Stay at one thirty-five, one forty. Um, I mean, what do you guys see for him going? I will pass this one to Bernard. Uh, his path right now, I would say go back to one thirty-five. See if you can get a unification bout. I don't believe Jorge wants that. If anything, I don't think Oscar De La Hoya wants Bernard is in there with. <laughs> Uh, good point, good point right there. Good point. Because that's it, it, it kind of, in a way, that's the way to hold that belt. And it's somewhat, I don't want to say a cash cow in the U.K., because if you notice, Lenari fights out in the U.K. So I could say, mm-hmm. hey, that's the way, you know, uh, see if he can get uh, somebody like Terry Flanagan, which I highly doubt that, because Frank Warren going to try to hold on to him. That's his uh, potential cash cow in that division. Uh, hey. I think I told Bo this, and I think I've probably said it on the show. I'm not sure. He could go out to Robert Easton next. 
I would love to see that fight. Hey, he took Don't out Robert, he, he took he took out the boss of about billions promotions. Take out his cash cow. And take hey, he's gonna take out the prodigy next. Bro, yeah, I've been saying for I've been saying for a long time Robert Easter is a much better fighter than Adrian Brown. I said that before Robert Easter became the IBF champion at 135. So I mean it. He's actually going, uh, taking a step up, <laughs> honestly, if he takes on Rob Easter Jr. That nigga from Ohio, bro. I have to disagree, though. After what I saw in that last fight where Robert Easter decided to fight in the pocket and doing what he did, I think Mikey gets him, man. I don't think no, he's going to use No, you can't him. judge like that, though. You can't judge like that because no, he called, he called Shaka Khan. He, he don't right? never use Shaka call, Shaka call, he don't use Shaka his Shaka Khan makes everybody fight like that. Shaka, but yeah, yeah, what you I, think I, Mikey going to do, though? What you think Mikey going to do? Mikey has the ability. Yeah, Mikey has the ability to fight like that, too. That's the thing. You know, he yeah, has the yeah. IQ to put pressure on you. or You know what I mean? So, I, I, you can't definitely. They're definitely different stylistically, but like I said, with uh, TK and we were saying earlier, Mikey could adapt and do what he needs to win. He has that kind of. Oh, IQ. Most definitely, he can do that. Most I mean, I think Junior could man. could beat Garcia. Not now, but I mean, if he, I don't know, man. Ohio he has output. Pro- he funny, has man. output problems too, though. Like that. But you also you also have to understand, Mikey Garcia is, and I said this. This is why when people were telling me Adrian Broner is athletic and. The only fighter type of fighter that beats him is pressure fighter. I said it's not just about fighters being pressure. You can come forward and not throw no punch. That don't do a fucking thing. Exactly. The thing with yep. the, the thing with Mikey is Mikey is an accurate fucking puncher. He's accurate yep. with his punches. He's, he he's might not get you sound. with the first one. Right. He might not get you with the first one. He'll catch you with that second one. Or if he gets you with the first one, he'll get you with the first one, miss you with the second one, but catch you with that third one. Mikey is such an accurate puncher. He wastes no energy or no punches at all. Period. And when you have an accurate puncher hitting you, that can that applies pressure as well. Now, what he's his next moves he should do, I know the WBC was talking about ordering the fight between Mikey and Jorge Linares because you know they made Jorge Linares like the WBC Imperial Champion or whatever. Yeah, Nine. or some shit like that. And what that is is that means that, you know, you have the option if you come back to challenge the champion. But like my man B said, we don't know if uh if uh, uh, Bob Arams would make that, I mean, not Bob, if Golden Boy would make that fight, he even mentioned um, Lomachenko. And now, Lomachenko and Crawford, Crawford are fighting, but the problem is Bob Arams, Bob Arams don't like giving motherfuckers paydays that leave him. He don't like making them motherfuckers no money. If you leave Bob Arams, he's he, he not going to make a payday fight with you. He, he, he just refused to do some shit like that. So, I think he should go back to 135 because you have some you 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 have some dogs down there at 135. He can get in the mix, or he can ha- or he could see what happens between um, Julius and Don going Terrence Crawford. If Crawford wins, Crawford might go to 147, and if he do that, you got some belts open at 140. So, but the two case point, he looked very comfortable at at, at 140. Uh, Mikey looked very comfortable at 140. But I said something, and I want to get y'all opinion on this. This is what I said. I said Marcos Maidana is to Adrian Broner what Buster Douglas was to Tyson, meaning that this is this is the fight everybody will look back and say, yo, this is where it all started for Broner, where it started it started coming apart for him. Um, um that's I disagree. Good, that's 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 a good point, Bo. You the said only it reason, coming apart for him. The 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 only reason why I wouldn't take it to that 
I wouldn't dramatize it to that degree is because Adrian Broner, like I said, the fight before that, he lost to Paul Malignaggi, in my opinion. So he was already kind of exposed. Also, he didn't, didn't even, though, even, even though he knocked out Gavin Reese uh, at 135 right before the Paul Malignaggi fight, he was getting hit in that fight to the point where it was like, okay, AB has defensive problems. Ponce de Leon, he was getting hit in that fight as well. And a lot of people thought he lost to Ponce de Leon. Mike Tyson's career, there really wasn't nobody besides Mitch Green and Tony Tucker that exposed Mike Tyson. But you can't really say they really exposed him to the degree that Adrian Broner was exposed because he actually beat them niggas thoroughly. All those two guys did was show that, hey, Mike Tyson may or may not be vulnerable to a jab later on in the fight. If you can get Mike Tyson past round four, you may be able to jab this nigga at will. That's what those two guys exposed. Uh, Adrian Broner was exposed by Polly, like, yo, this nigga has low volume. He stands right in front of you. All you got to do is tee off on him and let your hands go. You can score points on him, enough points to be able to beat him. You see what I'm saying? So I don't think it was a Buster Douglas type of dramatization because he was already exposed before the Madonna fight. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and then, you know, like, I, I don't like you got people saying he's a gatekeeper. I don't think he's a gatekeeper. His three losses, man, came to the top guy. Well, but I think he's, I think he's a gatekeeper at one forty seven. Well, no, yeah, one forty seven. Yeah, exactly. I believe that one forty seven. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you really look at it, man, you know he's twenty eight years old, and his three losses are the top guys, dog. He could win the title again at one forty, but he does need. Like, I, I think for people he to got, believe uh, back in him. He's gonna need a he's gonna need a significant win over us, and if he could, he's gonna need a signature win. He does, he's yet to have that. As long as he's throwing three hundred punches a fight, he's a gatekeeper. I mean, that's just not going to be cut it Is it like Fernando Rogers then? So are you saying Agent Broner is gonna be another Fernando Rogers? I ain't saying none of that. I didn't make no comparison. Man, I'm just saying that long as you throw 300 punches a fight against what I mean, because like we said, his output against Adrian Grenados, I thought he lost a fight against Grenados. Same thing, no output. Yeah. I mean, hey, Bernard, this is always the common denominator in his yo, losses, except for my dime. Okay, he's he's a four-time weight division champion. He's a, a champion in four-weight division, just like Oscar De La Hoya, right? Mm-hmm. Just like Oscar De La Hoya, what did Oscar De La Hoya have a problem with? When it came to big name fights against, I mean, get big fights against big name fighters, he lost. Bernard Hopkins, Good point. Floyd Mayweather, uh, Shane Mosley. He was at least a competitive though. But check this out. That's though. what I'm saying. That's Oscar what I was saying. Oscar he gives himself the best chances. Oscar De La Hoya actually beat big-name fighters, though, fam. That's the yeah. difference between him and yeah. A.B. A.B. has yeah. never beaten a really big-name fighter. That's the difference. Okay. Very true. Okay. Okay. Agreed. But uh, definitely, man, uh, y'all, I'm, gl- I'm glad Mikey's uh, going to get the, the shine that he deserves after this fight, man. It had to come against a name like I.B. for him to, to get the real recognition. Um, I'm not even sure if this is really considered a damn belt for him, the diamond belt, if he's really considered a titleist there, even though he won it. Um, I don't give a fuck it, about that. Yeah, <laughs> these are some interesting things, man, because unless uh, Leonardo is unifies, man, it's looking like he's going to have to make that jump to 140. So, I mean, we'll, we'll be paying attention to that. And like I said today, he did throw out Keith Thurman's name at 147, which a lot of people are uh, yeah, laughing about right now. Mm-hmm. Um 
But, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, man. Mikey Mike hey. is definitely talented. The ring IQ can make him competitive against any damn If he could take the punt, if he could take the punt, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, D. that's the biggest thing right I'm now. I'm looking right now. He threw out Floyd Mayweather's name. Oh. He said, he said, if Floyd Mayweather wants a challenge, I'll step up. That's exactly what yeah, Mikey said. Say that. <laughs> hey, everybody say that. Everybody say that too. He'll make, yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> All right. Take uh, your first name you want to. Come, come, Watch him here tomorrow and call out fucking Mikey Garcia and shit like that. Watch nah, do it. But we we got so we gonna go into our uh our next topics, man. Um we had Carl Frampton's fight canceled this weekend that was supposed to take place, which was a WBC uh title eliminator to face Gary Russell. Um when that first it was a a set of events actually. It wasn't canceled. Initially, Frampton missed weight by a whole pound and didn't even try to make the weight, man. Um after that, his opponent somehow fucked himself up in the up. shower, busted his chin, and smoked. Yeah, one of them. They said, "Good or air, good or air is up, man." They you beat know. his ass, so he can fucking make it. Nah, yeah. fuck that. I'm gonna fight for that eliminator later. Yeah, we're <laughs> freak incidents where you trip over your poodle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Ma'am. what the hell happened, but that shit was freaky as hell for that. The way that fight was called off. Anyways, Bruh. but um, go ahead. The UK is, man, they've been having some questionable-ass cancellations, fam. Like, you got fucking Terry Flanagan's uh, WBO title defense against Felix Verdejo, and then Frank Warren comes out and says, yeah, uh, Terry Flanagan has a, quote, personal leg injury. Nigga, what the oh, fuck man. is a personal leg injury, I nigga? Actually, of course yeah, I actually personal, think the WBO is leg. still waiting for, uh, the WBO yeah. is actually still waiting for some kind of documentation that, for that, yeah. too, what I'm hearing. That's you know, what I'm so. saying. Wait a minute. But it's not like, like, only got to wait for documentation. They don't even know what leg is injured. They like, we don't even know what leg is hurt. Nigga, listen, listen to the context of what he said, a personal leg injury nigga your leg is your no leg sense. nigga what how the fuck is it not personal motherfucker you know what i'm saying like they, they over there lying fam like and that's probably what's going on with this shit carl frampton shit they probably over there you know uh, uh, that nigga, uh making man. up some bullshit trying to cancel the fight man this is the second fight that they've canceled at least when we cancel shit over here in america nigga we got pictures of shit and proof motherfucker you know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like the, like they showed the pictures of Goody areas, his face and shit. But I mean, like it, it's Gene and all that. I'm like, but no, it was a title eliminator. Shut that motherfucker up. I just I just think that they fucking jumped that motherfucker, man. I've had that nigga, you know, slip on something and shit, so he could have a better chance at making way to make weight when they rescheduled the fight. So, oh yeah. man, that was some bullshit. But I mean, uh. I guess we. I guess when I first heard it, um, I got it. I guess I had posted in. Um, I'm not sure if it was Eastwick or our group, but you know we got some responses in there, and I pretty much said, uh, "Call Frampton the voice game bangers with speed." This is the second division, and I didn't mean it as nothing <laughs> insulting, but you know he Damn, does the avoid. <laughs> yeah. B, all right. B, B is B is the new coon. 
of the group. <laughs> Damn. one of the funniest damn lines I ever heard in the program. That shit was always <laughs> funny to me. Game banger. You're just another game banger with speed. <laughs> Monkey town niggas, man. man. Monkey town niggas. B is, is the dark version of Bryant Gumble right now, nigga. That's the fuck he is. Oh, no. Hey, look, he Mike Tarico. He not black. He just, he just burnt. That's what he is. He ain't black. He just a burnt-ass motherfucker. That's <laughs> fucked up, man. But no, nah, but he, he uh, managed to stay away from Rigo um, at 122. And now, you know, uh, this was a title eliminator. And you don't train for the coming in on weight a whole pound over. Come on now. Yeah. So I, I'll let TK touch on as far as what are some things like he had to be way overweight or they knew he wasn't going to make it or something or he was just fearful. I don't know, man, but it definitely looks like he had no intentions of ever wanting to get this WBC title shot against Gary Russell. Absolutely. I agree with you 100 percent. Um, if he couldn't make that weight, a weight that he's been fighting at, been campaigning at, a weight that he's actually moved up to, uh, then that tells me that <laughs> – his training camp consisted of him eating donuts and muffins. You know what I'm saying? He was not trying to get down the weight. Um, and you're probably right. It was because he had that that uh, almost near guaranteed L waiting on him in the near future against Gary Russell. You know what I'm saying? I, I you know, I, I kind of, you know, I agree with that assessment. I ain't gonna say gang bangers with speed, but I'm gonna say he does avoid <laughs> slick black fighters. That's the way it's looking right now. He avoided the fuck out of Guillermo Rigondeaux, and he may be possibly avoiding Gary Russell Jr. I mean, that's really a name that he keeps out of his mouth. You know what I'm saying? A lot of them motherfuckers keep Gary Russell's name out of his mouth. A lot of the UK fighters do. A lot of them keep his name out of his mouth. After you punk me Shelby, none of them got nothing to say now. Word up. You want to fight Lee Selby. That's all he's talking about. Yeah, pretty much, man. You know, and I think it's sad because, you know, this would have been his first homecoming fight. He hasn't fought in – where is he? Scotland, yeah, right? yeah, he ain't fought in Scotland yeah. since, what, 2014, I believe. Um, so for them, for this to happen to his fans out there, it wasn't a good look for him. First not making weight and then the whole cancellation for a fight with Lee Selby, which most likely is going to take place in the UK, uh, not in Scotland. Or it yep. would take place in Scotland. Both of them are actually from there. So I think that would be a fight there. But, I mean, you did need to tune up. So, But um, I'm not sure what this means going forward for him as far as uh, the weight. Um, he, like 2K said, he actually was struggling to make 122 at the end towards his end, the ends of his uh, championship reign there and moved up to 126 for that purpose. And for him to only be at the division for, what, one year and it'd be doing shit like this, it uh, definitely is not, it's not a good look moving forward for him, man. Um, I mean, he's not he a big more at 126. Yeah, 130 definitely not a good look for him because I yep. think even uh, – you know, just as sloppy as Jezreel Corrales is, he could be for him. You know, um, Burchell definitely, yeah, Burchell, Burchell definitely fucks him up. You know, so nope. um, yeah. So I guess we'll go ahead and get into our next topic, man. Unless uh, you guys want to chime in on it, got anything else you want to chime in on as far as uh, Frampton? Man, ain't nothing to say about Frampton. I'm ducking. He, 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 that motherfucker, <laughs> that motherfucker got paid one fighter of the year, and now he's just sitting back chilling on his loins, man. That's all. He still, yeah. he still living off nope. that fucking Santa Cruz victory. That I mean, he even said he, nope. he wants the Santa Cruz trilogy still and is willing to come back to fight in America for us since, uh, you know, uh, Santa Cruz isn't going to go over there. 
Um, he said he's done more in his career that was ever expected than he ever expected. So, yeah, he's coming to like the attention right now. Yeah, he's starting to get real content, man. I hate those type of fighters, bro. Yeah. But uh, that's a topic, you know, um, we had uh, before the AB cards, AB Mike Garcia card started, uh, Jake Gervonta, Tane Davis did a, a press conference from Barclays, and I guess um, I don't like mentioning the fight, so I'll say it's going to be on the undercard of the fight uh, happening next month. Um, it looks like Gervonta will be taking on uh, Rocky Martinez on, as the co-main event of that. Um, that's pretty much the news that came out from that press conference. Uh I don't even know. Rocky Martinez has been shot to me. So I'm like, it's whatever. It's not necessarily the fight I would have put on there to, if I was trying to actually sell it, especially if this is the co-main event. So, I mean, uh, yeah, let me get you guys' thoughts on this fight, um, starting with Bo, man. Fight's fucking garbage, man. What you? I mean, what more can you possibly say? The, the undercard for this so-called fight is fucking garbage. But this fight is fucking garbage. You're gonna be, yeah. It, it's nothing. Nothing. All it is is to make cats look good. Because, and I hate to say it, in my opinion, I think Floyd is making these fights like this so they don't out outshine this piece of shit that he about to have us watch or he about to have these motherfuckers pay for and watch. I ain't. I'm, I'm not entertaining that shit. But, yeah, I mean, Rocky Martinez. It's, it's it's just a stay busy fight, but it's it's a garbage fight to me, man. I mean, but hey. You know, let the motherfuckers do what they want, man. I, I'm, I'm just waiting on that day to come and go so we can hopefully be, get past this motherfucker and he go, he ride his ass off back off into the pasture, man. Yeah. Um, let me go ahead and pass it on to Bernard, man. Any sentiments about this fight? Um, I think Bo kind of summed it up for all of us, you know, emotionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, who can he really, who could have, could he have picked other than, okay, Lamachinko's fighting himself a cherry pick. We're calling him on it. So we're calling Tank Davis fighting a cherry pick. Uh, who could he else have? Could he have fought? Um, what, uh, Jason Sosa? Would that have been a good matchup for him on the undercard? I mean, Jason Sosa did lose against Lamachinko. Um, who do y'all... Um, I think he probably gave him a better man, fight yeah. than fucking Rocky yeah, Martinez. he could have, man. Like, his last title defense was a fucking tune-up pretty much. I mean... Like I said before, you know, after he defeated, I forgot the motherfucker's name already. He defeated. But, oh, I mean, Walsh. he just yeah, yeah, It just stunned his growth, though. It stunned his growth. He need to be in there at least with a live person. That, I'll you know, contend, what I'm saying I'll contend, not. I'll contend, and I totally agree with that. I I agree with bold sentiment. Um, here's my thing, though, right? From I'm looking at it from Mayweather's point of view as a promoter, he's gonna. Give Tank Davis baby says when he put him in there with a contender or somebody that could, you know, that's just what I'm seeing before he puts him in there with somebody like that's going to give him some go. That's what I'm saying. Me, he's, he's, trying to, I mean, he's trying to make him look real good before he, if, just in case he happens to get slaughtered by somebody. That's all. Let, let, that, me, that, piggyback that. I mean, let me piggyback off that. I mean, 30's not that damn deep if you look at it. Well, and, I mean, even right now, there wasn't a lot for him available, like, you know, because Bernard was saying, people being busy. Um, I mean, right. Javier Fortuna may have been a fight that was out there. I mean, Johnny Gonzalez is essentially the same as Rocky Martinez 
at this man. point, and probably even worse, worse. He could have maybe could have tested the water at one thirty-five. You know, not Salido's injured. You know, that's that's the fight they wanted to make was with Salido, but he he's out because of an injury. I mean, I'm looking at. I mean, Saul Nino uh, Rodriguez might have been the, the only other fight I would have been interested in seeing, as opposed, well, you know, to the Salido. Let me, you know. Let me piggyback off of what uh, Bernard said, and Bo, actually. Bo touched on it as well. I agree with both of them in this, in, that, in this aspect, the business side regarding Floyd Mayweather. Man, these motherfuckers, all, everybody you mentioned, let's look at the top 10 uh, at, at, uh, ranked by Ring Magazine at 130. All the motherfuckers could have been available. Floyd Mayweather would have still picked a second-tier fighter. And the reason mm-hmm. being is because of business. Listen. There's going to be millions of fans watching this event, okay? They're going to pay for this event. Why not have his number one protege look exceptional in front of MMA and casual boxing fans? Because they're going to see Gervonta Tank Davis knock Rocky Martinez completely the fuck out. They're going to be like, oh, shit. Hey, this black dude is kind of nice. Who is that? Hey, yo, that's Javonta Tank Davis. Damn, I like boxing right now. I'm going to follow him. You see what I'm saying? Right, right, it's an right. excellent business move by Floyd Mayweather to pick a bum-ass nigga with a, with a little bit of a name. Because remember, Rocky Martinez is a three-time WBO champion at 130 pounds, okay? Mm-hmm. He's one of them B-level niggas that fucked around and got the title three times. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he's, a, he's, he's kind of a, he's an average fighter, right? that has somewhat of a name, okay? So there's people out there that do ride for Rocky Martinez. So if a casual has questions about Rocky Martinez and talks to one of those Rocky Martinez riders, they're going to be like, yeah, he was a good fighter, and Tank demolished him. What's going, what the casual going to do next? Oh, shit, I like this Tank, dude. I'm going to start watching boxing. Matter of fact, <laughs> who's this promoter, Floyd Mayweather? Man, I hated that motherfucker at first, but did you see what he did to Connor? Man, I'm about to start watching boxing. It's an excellent business move by Floyd Mayweather. That's all I gotta say. Definitely, and um, definitely, I guess considering the you know all the names that aren't available right now, and you said, like I said, they did attempt to make Salido. So I mean, I can't even knock them for this one, even though it's mm-hmm. a, a crappy fight. You know, um, they did attempt to go out to Salido to make it more entertaining. Um, which I thought would have been a pretty good fight, even though I think Salido is on his last legs. He's been you know, knocked down, you know, and all kind of things. And I think Tank would have had a field day with his ass. Um, but, you know, um, anyways, we'll go on to our next topic, which is we have a former Division two two division titleist and Anita Denier signing with uh, Richard Schaefer's Ringstar Promotions. Um, you know, yeah. he's been most recently campaigning at 120, 122 again, uh, Donair. Um, he's in line to face uh, – Magdalena, number two ranked by the WBO. Um, if Cesar Marez fight doesn't get made, which there's been some some troubles in getting that done for some reason, um, he so he's still in title contention, but he did just split with top rank. So I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So what, what? What I essentially want to get from you guys: What does this signing with Richard Schaefer do? Um, that does this for his career at this juncture, even though, you know, Shapers, he's a mastermind business guy. Um, is he, does he have the, the loot or I guess, um, I guess the power to pull some strings to even get this Jesse Magdalena rematch, uh, considering yeah. Bob, uh, his split with Bob. Um, so I'll go ahead and start with Big Cool on this one. 
don't know if it is, I don't know if he gets a rematch with uh, old boy, but I mean it opens up opportunities, you know, because you know a Schaefer Heyman type. So I mean, you got guys from 122 to 126 if he wants to go back up there that he can fight. And I heard that he was what maybe entertaining a rematch with uh, Rigandale, which is crazy. But I don't know if Chris put that out there or maybe Fat Dan or somebody I seen. And put that out there and say he was negotiating a, a fight with, you know, Rigo to fight again. So, I mean, it creates more options for him. He can stay relevant, somewhat relevant, you know, and kind of, I guess, be a, a gatekeeper with a name that, you know, makes these up-and-coming fighters' resumes uh, more appealing and, you know, eye-catching to some of the guys that watch boxing and don't really, you know, know who they are. But I don't see him becoming a champion again. But, I mean, it's not a bad move uh, for Richard Schaefer. No, no need to have been there. Um, if he wants to, you know, fight quality guys still for decent payday. Yeah. He definitely seems like he might be able to get a couple paydays at one twenty six with this alliance with Schaefer if he decides to go there. Definitely was a uh, I guess a weight that he was too small for, we all know that. Um so I mean at one twenty two I'm not really sure what options are really there, man. Um pretty sure yeah. Frank's in the fighter, if he can get back down there. Pretty sure there's a fight Frank in the take. You know, something like that if he don't want to face nobody. Yeah. All right, so I don't want to touch on that one too long. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and touch on this next topic, which, you know, last week we talked about, uh, you know, talks for Nathan Cleverly going against um, Badu Jack, which was a possibility for being on the undercard of the fight. Um, or even after, I guess it would have been too short a time, but then for training camp or whatever. But it's looking like the WBA just ordered Dimitri Bivol to face him. Um, pretty good. I won't say it's a good fight, but I mean this is a good good fight for Bivol. You know, um, he's relatively unknown still uh, to unless you know other than us, the guys that actually are deep into the game and watch this shit hardcore. Um, I don't know. We don't need to do a prediction because the fight hasn't been made yet. They still got to come to terms and all that. But that's looking like it will be the next fight for him since uh, it was being ordered by the WBO, WBA. Uh, what do you guys think of it? Um, I'll go ahead and start with a 2K on this one. What was the – it was uh, Demetri Bivol and who? I forgot who it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who was it? Nathan Cleveland. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that motherfucker even existed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, come on, man. That's, the e- that's easy work. That's easy work. If y'all, if anybody's watched Dimitri Bivol, he's an excellent fighter right now. He's he's an excellent uh, up and coming fighter, and a guy like Nathan Cleverly is the perfect type of uh, fighter. Come forward in your face, uh, type of fighter who's going to be standing in front of all of your shots. <laughs> Dimitri Bivol is a big puncher. You saw what he did to uh, Samuel Clarkson, a fellow Dallas native. You know, out here fucked him up bad. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not saying Samuel Clarkson's a world beater. He's an excellent fighter. Um, but it was uh, it was surgical how he did Clarkson. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Clarkson, before that, uh, his biggest win was against Cedric Agnew. And uh, I think dude, the other dude's name was Jerry Odom. Jerry Odom's a guy that was an up-and-coming fighter that a lot of people respected. And, of course, Cedric Agnew was the only, uh, before Andre Ward came in there and deaded that nigga up, uh, you know, he was one of the only guys to last so long with uh, Sergey Kovalev, at least on network television. So, you know, uh, him beating Clarkson wasn't a bad thing. It was a good. It, it made him look very good. 
And I think uh, Nathan Cleverly's style is perfect to showcase Demetri Bivol's talents and for him to pick up an easy title. Man, I've never been big on Nathan Cleverly, and I never will. And I don't think uh, him going to 175 is going to change anything at all. He's still a B-level fighter, and he's about to fuck around and get knocked out. If it wasn't uh, Badu Jack that knocked him out, it's about to be Dimitri Bivol. <laughs> Easy work. Yes, sir. Um, go ahead and pass it on to Bo as well. Um, anything you want to add on this one as far as uh, this fight being announced by the WBA? And I mean, what do you see happening with 175 right now? Because there's some real young guns, you know, such as Gavazic. We got uh, Bivol right now. He's still, you know, mm-hmm. be he's uh, one of the elder guys still coming up in the division. But, you know, he's a uh, looking to make his name for himself against one of the bigger names as well and get a title. Um, what do you think this fight means? And, I mean, where do you see 175 going? Man, you know, Nathan Cleverly is popular for the wrong reason. You got Bondu Jack. You got uh, this dude Bavar. You got Sullivan Redder. They all calling for that ass because, uh-huh. the, 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 because the reality is he holds the key to a possible championship fight with Andre Ward. Mm-hmm because he holds that WBA, I think, regular belt. Now, let's be real, though. He beat a motherfucker that nobody even heard of in Jurgen Bramer, who he beat Jurgen Bramer so bad, this motherfucker said, fuck 175 and entered a 168-pound tournament. That's how fucking bad he beat this motherfucker. Okay, he said, fuck this division. And that fight was not almost nine months ago when he fought to the 2K's point. If, if you're not somebody that follows the ring ranking system, you wouldn't even know this motherfucker is ranked, like, number eight by the ring, okay? But um, the, I think the real question is, do Bivol people want to take that fight? Because if you take that fight and you win that title, uh, that puts you in line for a title shot. And they did say that, hey, right now, they're, they're kind of not ready to go down that path. Because once you get that, there is no, I mean, once you grab that belt, there is no, you know, going back, fighting motherfuckers that's ranked 15 and 20 and all of that. But once you get past, once you do that, man, you got to fight motherfuckers that's ranked in the top 10. But Bivol might be able to pick that belt up and get away with some shit like that. I mean, with the way boxing been and how these motherfuckers be playing favorites with cats, who knows? But if that fight gets made, man, Nathan Cleverly is uh, uh, Nathan Cleverly is the champion holding the belt for somebody else to come take off of him. So, I mean, I mean, in, in any like better be Gavot, like any of them dudes I named. So Beretta, better be Gavazic, um, shit, and Bivol. They all beat him, man. They all beat him because Nathan Cleverly. He's a he, he, dude. He, he, he's the Arturo Gotti, in my opinion, of the light heavyweight division with the way he fights. Good point. Um, definitely an interesting division to watch right now. One seventy five, man. Um, like I said, the the young up the young up and comers. You know, these guys are making a name early. You know, and under what Bivol's got what eleven fights. Uh, Gavaz has got like ten or eleven. Like these guys are coming up fast these days, man. Um. Andre Ward pretty much holds the key to the division. I mean, nobody knows what's going to be his next move as far as if he's even going to stay at 175. I don't think it's necessary for him unless he, he's going after unification. I don't see anybody else at 175 that's worth him even sticking around for, you know. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that whole scenario right there. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and take it into our next topic, man. Um, I know hey, both did a little but B, you want to take uh, you want to take Chris? He he said he's ready whenever we are. 
Oh, sure, sure. All right, let me go ahead and bring him on. My bad. I forgot he was going to come on tonight, too. Um, we got somebody <laughs> coming on the show tonight, man, a uh, very special guest. He always breaks breaks news before the mainstream, guys, and, you know, he's one of us. You know what I'm saying? Part of all of our groups. Uh, I'm going to bring on Chris Henderson from uh, Four Corners Boxing Talk. What's going on with you, man? What's up, guys? What's up, Chris? Oh, Chris. What up, Chris? What up? Glad to have you on, man. Glad to have you on tonight, man. Um, I know you've been tuning in on the show. Is there anything you might be able to shed some light on, Um, anything you might be able to give us news about? Because you've definitely been dropping some bombs on us lately. Um, I did break the, uh, I think it was Bernard said a minute ago about the uh, Donair and um, Rigo story. I broke that. The negotiations only lasted about two days. They lasted about two days. (laughs) That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, about as long as, uh, if, you know, if it was minutes, that's about how long Darnell, I mean, Darnell's chances lasted against Rigo in the fight. So it's two days. That's about right. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Chris. How yeah. long would it take you before you made the decision to not let Rigo take your jaw for a second time? Would it take you two days? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. He embarrassed Exactly. He embarrassed yeah, you do. Um, I do believe. Uh, I talked to uh, Schaefer and them last week, and I kind of knew that this uh, deal with Darnell was going to go down. But it, it it gives him a legitimate name, is what it does. Even if he's right. still not legit, it gives him a name. Schaefer really don't have any fighters under him. Right. Not a not a legitimate name, and Darnell gives him that name. Okay. Um, is he looking to build the brand based off of Darnier, Darnier, or what is he looking to do as far as with Ringstar? Because like, I, um, this is the, his biggest signing up to date. Um, so is there anybody else they're they're courting right now, or did he give you any other news of what's going on with the promotional with the promotions, other than uh, the World Boxing Super Series? Not really. Not really. Okay. No. Um, he's their main focus right now. Him and uh, Sauerland is. The WBSF. And, man, they've put a hell of a tournament together, honestly. 168 field could be better. But the cruiserweight division is it's straight fire. I was kind of shocked he got all them people. Yeah. Um, I think it's good because they, they know it's a division that needs the spotlight. And, I mean, it was a definitely a good move for Schaefer with his, being his, one of his first moves, you know, being back in the game. So I, I was definitely happy with the announcement of that. I wish the 168 tournament would have been as competitive as the original Super Sits, which I thought it would be as far as names initially. But, um, you know, a lot of the guys didn't want to join for whatever reason. So um, let me get your thoughts on this Pat, these past weekend's fights. Um, I want to start off with Mikey and Adrian Broner. Um, you have a little bit closer ties and, you know, I guess connections to people. Um as far as the performance that Adrian Broner put up in the fight that was supposed to be a uh, high caliber, um, is there anything that you got you could speak on as far as the future for either of these fighters, Adrian Broner or Mikey Garcia, initially uh, right now? I haven't talked to uh, neither one of them since uh, the conference call. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday before the fight, and um, I don't know which direction Broner's going to go in. Um, the fight happened just like I figured it would, though. Yep. It happened just like I figured it would. I mean, a supreme... Mikey, I had this talk on uh, Eastwick just a little bit ago. 
Mikey is as fundamentally sound as any fighter in the sport. Yep. Fundamentally sound as any fighter in the sport. And some guy compared him to Golovkin. I about puked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Well, see, he don't Damn. understand. I, I told him I said, "There's a major difference." I understand what you're looking at. You're looking at he's working behind the jab. That's all this guy's looking at. You know what I mean? The fact is, Golovkin's a straight line fighter. He's a straight line fighter, and he cuts the ring off through punching. You know what I'm talking about, EJ? Yes, sir. He'll hook if you're going to pull to the. You're going to go. He's going to go to his uh, left. He's gonna throw that. He's gonna throw that hook to pull you back. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. But he's a straight line fighter. I mean, Floyd said it best. He's straight up and down, no special effects. That's what he is. With no defense or head movement. With no defense, Mikey is an angle fighter. Even though it's slight and subtle, it's there. Yep. You know, he cuts it off with angles. He pivots. That fight, he never got on the ropes in that fight. Not one time. Not one time. He kept that fight in the center of the ring. Right where he needed to. And I, it boggled my mind anybody gave Broner a chance. Yeah. I think it was hey, just Chris. expectation-wise. You know, it always comes with it. it it's always the focus Broner. I mean, that, well, yeah. I think everybody is off of that. He's become a bigger myth as a prime Mike Tyson. <laughs> Damn near. I got a question. How many rounds did How many rounds did everybody here get Broner? I only gave him two. I, I gave him two. I gave him the first yeah, I gave one. Him two. I gave him two. Yeah. Damn, I fucked up and gave him. Th- I gave him three. I feel like a casual. I gave, I gave him three. <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna I'm I'm keep my title. I gave him four. Actually, I had a one sixty. Wow. I gave him three. I gave him three. Yeah. Man, what? Damn. Hey, Danny. Danny Jacobs had him winning. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, that is true. I did see that. I saw that quote posted today, and I was like, what the hell was he looking at? <laughs> but they, but they what, said, what they said was that Danny admitted that, admitted that he was biased. And, yeah, you he know, did. That's what, you know, so I think uh, it was just kind of like misinterpreted. <laughs> so, okay. He, he was trying to give him every possible round, even the ones where he only did something for five seconds. I got it. Yeah, every uh, round that he landed within ten punches of Garcia, I guess. Or oh, the ones he tried to set at the end of the round by throwing gut, uh, throwing yeah. punches to the body and everything like that. Yeah. Chris, can I, we get um, you to stick around for a couple of segments? Because got, I got, actually got one I want you to join in on, uh, yeah. you know, that I wanted to talk about. Um, first, I we're going to go into Tim, Timothy Bradley. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on his retirement announcement. I know it comes because uh, at the, you know, at the end of the CTE uh announcement last week as well that was put in the news and you know a lot of people think that that had a lot to do with his announcement um i want to get everybody's take on what he'll be remembered for and how how he'll be remembered really um i want to get your take first though chris since you're a guest on the show what he'll be remembered for more than anything's going to be the pacquiao fights that's the truth okay that's what it's going to boil down to he gave us some good fights he had He's a borderline Hall of Famer, like it or not, in today's boxing world. You know? Um, will he get my vote? I don't know. He's not going to be a first ballot for me. There's still guys out there like Donald Curry and Nestor Marcel. Oh, yeah, and, definitely. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's borderline. The Marquez wins his biggest win, I would say. Most people agree with that, I would think. Yeah. Um, a true win, let me rephrase that. Because a lot of people figure Pac thought Pacquiao won the first fight. Mm-hmm. I thought Broner, I mean, Bradley actually did better in the second fight than he did the first fight. Mm. 
on a round by round breakdown. I think he um I mean I had we should talk about this one day, Chris. I had Bradley winning that first fight and I actually had Bradley literally picking up where he left off in the second fight of the first half of that fight. Uh, and then he decided to go off of uh, the uh, strategy that he said he was going to go into the ring with prior to that fight, which was he was going to try to knock Manny Pacquiao out in the second half of that fight, and that's what fucked him up. That's what had Pacquiao looking like Floyd Mayweather and shit over there evading <laughs> all of his punches because he was going for these dumbass wide haymaker hooks. You know something that Tim Bradley's not known for. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah I I thought he picked up where he left off, man, in the second fight. I did, too. I gave him, I think, like five out of the first seven rounds, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, let me get you guys' take. Do you guys feel he's a Hall of Famer as well? I know uh, I know, Chris said he's borderline. What do you guys think? Do you think he's done enough to, to sell his fate in, in the Hall of Fame? Uh, Bo, I'll go ahead and ask you that one as well. Uh, what do you think? Well, this was a topic that I was waiting for right here. When I saw the when I saw the list that we was going to talk about, oh, man, I was excited when I saw <laughs> this shit right here, dog. Let me tell you something about Timothy Sadley. There's two Timothy, <laughs> there's two Timothy Sadleys. There's two Timothy Sadleys. There's the Timothy Bradley. We saw at 140. They didn't give a fuck. Mean, nasty, yep. talk shit to you and fight you. Then there's yep. Timothy Coon Company top rank. Uh, uh, I do whatever you say, boss. Yes, I'm master fucking sadly. Yes, he goes to 147. I don't. He goes to 147. He's like, fuck Manny. I'll beat Manny. Fuck him. He beats him. Tells everybody. Right? I'll beat him. Then he let the Pacquiao fans and all that shit get to him like, well, maybe I did lose to Manny. Oh! Oh, yeah. motherfucker. Okay? Yeah. Then, after that, what do you do? You don't look to fight. Like, you, you, get, you go into a fight with the Bavardnikov to prove a point. Don't listen to your trainer, but blame him for the way you, you, you just was getting molly fucking whopped a couple of goddamn times, okay? That ain't your trainer fault. You didn't listen to him, so you fire him, okay? You, you fight Diego Chavez. You fight Brandon Rios. You fight uh, all these other dudes, and you never looked at the Earl Spencer, the Keith Thurman, the Sean Paul. You And every time we brought them dudes up, you was like, yo, man, you know, I fight who Bob tell me to fight. What the fuck do you mean? The fuck you fucking mean? Then when he was asked, would you fight the winner of, of Garcia and Thurman? What the fuck I need two belts for? Most thanks and feet. Man, yo, get this punk-ass motherfucker out of here. Then when he goes to fight Pacquiao, he pretty much says, no, he actually said it about going out to dinner with this motherfucker. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, so, you don't, know what? don't forget his uh, response to getting knocked down. Ooh, ooh, wee. Right, yeah, right, 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 wait a minute. I'm like, because you start doing this, not only is it ooh, wee, but the, the single fucking thing that really irks me is this. If you're a fighter, no, fuck being a fighter. Just fuck being a fighter. As a fucking man, I refuse, after you've whooped my ass, to commentate and talk nice about you. After you fucking, like the last image is my ass and legs in the fucking air from you rocking me down. And you're going to yep. give me a job. 
where my only job, because the only top rank fights he's been commentating on has been Pacquiao fights, right? Which is fucking crazy. So in other words, you got this white man using this this black dude to to help build this this dude to kick his ass. Like that is the ultimate fucking cool company man. Fucking move. That's the fucking ultimate. But then, even if I even if I try to make all of that, you let Stephen A. Fucking Smith punk you on national goddamn yeah. TV. Stephen A. Who doesn't know shit about boxing? Who right. Shit so about boxing? to to answer your question, what are you making in the Hall of Fame? Yes, because he's been he's he's danced the jig because the Hall of Fame is a popularity contest vote, and Timothy Bradley has been dancing the jig and being the friendly company man. Hopefully, Bob Elms will splash some money around since he never gave none of this motherfucker equally. And I mean, I literally mean that. Pacquiao making twenty, you getting four, and then you didn't beat him. So hopefully, he'll spread some money around and he get voted in. So will he make it? I, I absolutely think he will because he's doing all the right things you are supposed to do if you want to get in there as far as being nice. But does he deserve it is my question. But what he did at 140, I like it. But for the second half of Timothy's career, his whole body work, no. No, because he never fought none of the top dudes at 147. He never looked to fight the Thurman. He never looked to fight the Porter. He never looked to fight the Spencer. He never looked to fight any of the Brooks. None, none of the motherfuckers. None of them. Timothy Bradley, fuck this motherfucker, and I'm fucking glad that bald-headed bitch coon company top right man is fucking leaving this goddamn sport. So bye, Timothy Sandler. There will be no fucking video for you like I did Robert the Ghost of Guerrero. And close the door behind you, and I'm going to rock that bitch with a thousand rocks, and you don't come back. Oh, man. Hey, you, know, what? you know why Bo, Bo ain't going to do a video on that shit because his channel is not rated R like mine. See, I'm going to do a video on this shit. And it's going to sound similar to Bo. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a two-part video. Please invite me to the show. Invite me to the No, no. You invite me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I, I agree 100% with everything Bo said, and that's going to be on the second part of my show. First part, I got to give him credit for what he did. And his career has an excellent fucking resume. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of a, uh, uh, a double-edged sword because – you know, you guys are right. He really didn't do anything at 147. Even though he was a two-time WBO champion at 147, he fought. He 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 was the champion because he fought motherfuckers that were from 140 and moved up to 147. You know, also, he is a five-time champion in two different weight classes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you look at the Hall of Fame, bro, we got some whack niggas in there. I mean, I could start off with Barry McGuigan, you know, uh, Arturo Gotti. You know what I'm saying? Arturo Gotti's known as this warrior that's given us a lot of wars, but when we're talking about... I mean, I think, we, I think we know why Gotti got in, but you know what I'm saying? But, but Gotti would have got in even if he didn't have a tragic you think death. So? I think well, okay. Yeah. I think they would have put him life in. and death for the club fighter. Exactly. He, he, he's, that Mickey Ward shit was so great to everybody, uh, a lot of these old school boxer fans, that they would have probably put him in for that shit alone, the Mickey Ward trilogy. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I really believe that looking at the, the landscape of the, of the Hall of Fame and who's actually in there, I mean, you can make a huge case for Timothy Bradley. And if, even if we look at this era, the guys that, you know, are retired now uh, in this decade or, or at least in this millennium, let's put it that way, um, it's kind of slim, fam. You know what I'm saying? I think uh, Chris John, I don't know if he made it or not. But they're talking about him. You know, I really liked Chris John. He did a lot uh, with that WBA super title. I think he defended that shit like 
shit like 12, 13 fucking times. I can't remember. I used to tell niggas that Chris John was a beast and everybody would ignore me because, you know, he was a fighter. I think he was a, a, a fighter from Indonesia. And everybody was like, nigga, nobody knows how to fight from Indonesia yeah. and shit. They just like karate and shit, nigga. And I'm like, nah, no, this dude is nice. You know what I'm saying? But he's still, in my opinion, resume-wise, now he has the title defenses, but resume-wise, it's not better than what Tim Bradley has done from 130, uh, 135 to 147. So I, I really believe Tim Bradley has a major case to make it in the Hall of Fame for this, for this uh, millennium, definitely. Um, I, he better not make it in there before I ran Barkley. I'm still waiting for him to get in, you know. But um, yeah. Man, anybody else to up for I Iran don't have his hope insurance, fam. Like <clears throat> Arturo Gotti got his hope insurance. I mean, he had, you know, uh, Jim Lampley backing him. You know what I'm saying? And putting him on, you know, the Gotti list. Made a list out of this <laughs> nigga's name. And shit. You know, uh, 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 my man don't have don't have that type of backing. He'll be known as the guy that beat the shit out of Arturo Gotti, but he won't get that credit. A lot of niggas don't even know that. You know that I talk to these so-called boxing enthusiasts, don't even know yeah. he beat Arturo Gotti. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned Chris John because um, I was at some I forget what room I was in. They said uh, who win between Chris John and Lomachenko. And everybody was like Lomachenko because I don't know who this other dude is. I'm like, what the fuck? Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's bullshit, man. He might not even make it, dog. Chris John, I think, I mean, he, like these, these guys have very respectable accolades in their career, you know, yeah. as, and as he much as I kid. don't like Tim Bradley. Right. He did as, as much at, at, at the height of his career, too. Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. You know, and, and you know, as much as I respect Tim Bradley, I mean, I'm sorry, as much as I respect Chris John, I think Tim Bradley has a better resume than him. And as much mm-hmm. as I don't like Tim Bradley, I have to give him his respect for what he right. has done in his right. career. You see what I'm saying? So I think he should go. All right. Um, so this is uh, another topic we got coming up. Um, it's actually something we do weekly. Um, it's usually Bernard's segment. And I guess I'm going to let him chime in because he has a separate one he wants to do as well. Um, but I definitely wanted to do to make this one be a part of it this week. Um, I wanted to give my, the fuckery boxing award of the week to Demetrius Andrade. Um, I mean, not only he's starting to become more known for being a spectator at fights more than boxing in his own goddamn fights. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he made another appearance at, at a Charlo card. You know, he, he was at the AB Mikey Garcia fight over the weekend and he made it a point to stand outside their locker rooms and, and the press conference and all that shit, to, you know, pretty much to, to, to rile things up. Um, so, you know, him and uh, Jermell get into a little back and forth, and, you know, Jermell's the hothead one out of the Charlos, if you guys don't know. Like, he's pretty the the, the, the mean one. Um, but with that said, you know, they get into their back and forth or whatever before, uh, you know, Polly Malinaji kind of splits it up. And, you know, they go their separate ways. And, you know, um, pretty much during that, you know, Charlo's like, I don't, well, we ain't got to talk. I want to fight you. Pretty much the stands we've seen from both of the Charlos. We don't need to be buddy buddy talking. I want to whoop your ass. Um, you know, and uh, I guess Andre responds with the same thing. Well, let's fight then. And, and that's where the, the problem initially starts with him. 
Um, he then goes on to do, to do another video where he essentially says, um, I mean, the, the, the ship has sailed against, with him and Lara um, as far as them fighting. You know, the ship has sailed with that one. Um, and he's saying nobody else wants to fight him, which I know is not true at 154. There are some guys that will fight him at 154. Fights can be made. Charlo, Lara, those fights can be made. Um, so he pretty much made the excuse of saying the WBA is the WBA's fault that him and Lara hasn't, hasn't, hasn't fought yet because they haven't made the, the, the issue to order the fight even though both have been active, inactive since pretty much, uh, I guess, March of this year. So he's waiting on them to, 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 to get the, I guess, kickstart everything, even though he's mandatory to face Lara. Um, another thing, you know, was mentioned in that video was him moving up to 160. <laughs> now, when the names are brought up of who he will fight, he said the only guy that would be worthwhile for him moving up would be uh, David Lemieux. That's the name that would put him in position to, to, to fight everybody that's worthwhile at 160. Completely glossing over Charlo, who just won a WBC title eliminator, and Danny Jacobs, who also is uh, rated number three. You know, David Lemieux is actually ranked underneath both of those guys. And well, those names are presented to him. Go ahead. He said that the reason why he didn't want to fight Daniel Jacobs because they they went each other and they kind of only take money. It, 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 the only reason the way he would fight Danny Jacobs it depends on the money. Yeah, but hold on, but still though, not the fact that he also said that hey, be cool. He kind of just want to say hey, I don't really want to go go that route. I don't want to fight another brother. I want him to succeed as one sixty. I'm also wanted to see that one sixty. You don't say if I take that route. You don't see that. You don't but see you want to go in Charlo or who another You don't see the fuckery in even that. And these yeah, are guys rated above. These are guys rated above David Lemieux. Like, but remember the reason why he said David Lemieux. The reason why he said David Lemieux because if David Lemieux would get him to fight with the winner of G and Canelo on the HBO side. But that's not true. Because everybody else is on the show. That's not true. No, 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 no. Let me finish my statement, though. But, um, so, but he's pretty much said, okay, to make this fight happen, I had to go Showtime. I had to go to HBO. Mm-hmm. He threw in the network networks. You know, Showtime was ready to put a lot of money into him, especially based off of the Willie Nelson fight. So pretty much what I'm saying is within one fight with uh, Cool K, you fucked off your relationship with Showtime? The word you had to actually put this out there that I'm open to HBO now. Like I, I have to go to HBO. I don't know if I can make this fight on Showtime. That he pretty much has put him put himself in a position to be off the networks, from what Ooh. I could tell from that. I don't know. His money demand must be crazy or something, bro. He must be demanding stupid money or something for them not to make these fights. Don't I don't know what he didn't make shit against Cool K, and you guys know he yeah. didn't make any money against Cool K. Famous, famous, famous quote, famous quote by 2K the Prodigy: "This motherfucker is with a promotion company that uh, a, a regular nigga off the street could in a purse be with." <laughs> I, I, I know. I talked talk to Darnell Boone. Uh, Boone actually put this out here Damn. last week. You know, as far as uh. 
you know, heading into the Sullivan Barrera fight, you know, he was in a camp with uh, Joe Smith, who's also part of uh, Star Boxing. And he's like, they didn't have money to, to, to even get through the camp right. So I'm like, this guy, is, he gets just every decision he's made, business-wise, everything, I just can't, I can't do it with this guy anymore. And this is a guy that we all believe is, has all the talent in the world. But, I mean, he's pretty much he ain't the sharpest on the outside uh, looking in. The damn door, man. He ain't the best follower of the is. Best way to put it, man. He, being, he ain't being real smart right now. So he, he hasn't been really smart since he's pro. Where, to put himself in a position to where you, are, you, you're, you can't be on any networks, like what are you doing? Because I remember oh. after that Nelson fight, Showtime was ready to, to sink something into him. Like, everybody was so impressed with that. They wanted him to fight immediately. I'm glad Chris is on the show. I don't know if how much contact you've had with Star Boxing or even uh, the Andre the Guardian. Yeah, I know him very well. Um, man, what can you tell us about this dude, man? Uh, that you anything extra Who, that you can tell us as far as Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot he even fought, man. I pretty much I forgot this guy was a box. Oh my god! I mean, I ain't, I'm joking, of course, but it's pathetic. I mean, somebody said something to me the other day about it, and um, I said, uh, "Who's this Andretti fella you talking about?" I don't know him. You know, <laughs> because that's what I feel like. Now I do know that uh, DeGuardia has some. Uh, he has a with the Smith fight has somewhat of a commitment with HBO. And now that Smith lost, I'm not. Sure, I don't know the particulars on it. You know what I mean? I don't know all the particulars on it. But uh, actually, you gave me a good idea. I'm actually going to try to get a hold of him tomorrow, see if I can't find oh. something out about it. Because, um, uh, is there anything you've heard as far as um? I guess they have a ninety day wait period with the WBO WBA before they could uh, order a fight. I'm guessing that's what it is. I'm not sure if that's true. How accurate they have is, eighteen months from the time a super champion, if a super champion wins. Okay, so that's what a lot of people like. People were talking about Joshua's uh, mandatory was Ortiz. Not anymore. It's not. He's now the WBA super champion. Okay. The only mandatory a super champion can have, if you look in the bylaws of the WBA, is the WBA regular champion. From the day, if you're a sitting super champion, from the day that the regular champion picks up a title, you have 18 months to fight him. Wow. Now, that means the Delara thing, it can really drag (laughs) out beyond. Wow, okay. Yeah, it can drag out for a little while. Man. The day wins. Um. Now he can petition the WBA and get and actually get his mandatory and they'll they'll you know have a board meeting on it and so and so, kind of like the IBF did with all these fights they just ordered. But but the odds of it happening that Laura Andretti fight it's not he don't even mention Laura's name hardly. You know he he. And that was his whole per- sole purpose of going after Cool K was so he could get the Laura fight to happen. So I'm just like, yeah, how, that has, that, what he how has that changed tuned over the course of just this short time? I mean, to where he has no real prospects to fight right now. Like, we don't know when we'll see him. Don't have and a clue. He, it seems like he's talked himself out of a network. From everything I heard in that video, I think he's talked himself off of Showtime. 
Very possible. Um, I know, Very Bernard, possible. you wanted something else to you wanted to, to throw in something for the fuck of the week uh, with your award, but I mean, I guess I wanted to point that out there because I mean, it's another one of those stories of a big talent going mm-hmm. wasted. And it's sad, you know, we will, we might not ever see the full potential of this guy. But uh, go ahead, Bernard. No, actually, I want to do something different. I want to salute somebody in boxing, man. Um, okay. I want to salute uh, the new WBO flyweight champion, Japan's own show, Kimura, Kimura for knocking out uh, Zu on Shimmy. <laughs> yes, sir. Get <laughs> yeah. that motherfucker hey, out of here. Man. Hey, hold on, shut up. <laughs> That nigga got that motherfucker got knocked out. I ain't hear nothing from 2K, man. I was expecting him to talk shit. Oh, that motherfucker went hot. It's coming. It's coming. 2K's going to start making memes out of you should be crying. He's going to start making memes waiting, out of him crying. Shit, we were looking for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, he going to gonna start taking the, the making Daniel Cormier type memes. Yeah. Hey, hold on. Not only did he knock him out, he made the motherfucker say he wants to retire. After oh, he that out. nigga, that nigga yeah. cried and then said he wanted to retire. He cried in the ring. You know what I'm saying? It's it's over. Nine and two. That's the most him. It, it, let, let's think about this, dog. My man was the uh, I think he was the W. He was the WBO champion, right? Yeah, yeah. He took, he took a loss to Am Not Real One, right? Early in his career. I mean, it's we're still early. Then he loses to Kimura. Now he's out. But I think he's out because he's not with Bob Arum anymore. He he Bob Arum dropped him like a couple months ago. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So exactly. Bob Arum was the reason why this motherfucker was getting any type of publicity. And whenever he dropped him, it was like, well, shit. You know what I'm saying? I got nowhere else to go. Ain't nobody else going to pick me up. I suck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there's really nowhere. 11 fights in, there's nowhere this nigga can go. He's got to retire. Straight up. And I, but, and I think the only reason why Bob picked him up because he was part of a package deal for a fighter he was looking at, wasn't it? Well, he was it getting was, that. He it was, was really China. because of that Macau shit. Yeah, the Macau yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, right. But this is the thing, though. This is the thing, though. He's going to retire on good status because I've heard that uh, he's more popular out there in China than fucking Yao Ming is right now. You know what I'm saying? And so if he's that fucking popular, you know, he pretty, I heard. I heard... I heard Zhu Shiming, even though he's he's married, he can choose any bitch he want out there in China. So if he's that popular, then I mean hell, you made all your money. I mean eleven fights in. I mean this is probably be going gonna be the the weakest world champion reign I've ever seen in this era. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But hey, eleven fights in, nigga, shit. Hey, you gotta go. You got your money. You got your fame. Get the fuck up out of there, cause you can't yeah. beat nobody else. <laughs> he's been an actor. Wait, that happened since he turned pro. Without Aram, I don't see him being able to even be in position to make another fight. So you definitely make a good point. Um, I think he wants to continue fighting. He said afterwards he would like to continue just to be an ambassador for a sport that's growing out there. Um, It's still a relatively small sport in China. So I know he's that's something that he's really ambitious about as far as uh, making it more well-known. Um, in China, being a two-time uh, gold medalist, and of course, uh, you know, having a WBO title that he just lost. So, I mean, that that was one of his reasons for, I guess, they agreed to the split with him because he wanted to do more things than be involved in stuff in China as well. Um, man, uh, I guess we'll go into our UOENO segment of the week. Um, on this day in 1982. 
in Atlantic City. Alexis Arguello knocked out great trainer Kevin Rooney in two rounds. Um, yeah, that was probably the most interesting fact I could come across from this day. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Kevin Rooney as a trainer. You know, he had some some personal demons that kind of derailed him. Uh, you know, but, you know, he was the former trainer of uh, Mike Tyson as well, Vinny Paz. A lot of other great guys. So, you know, big up salute to Alexis Arguello as well. Rest in peace. Um, Hall of Famer, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, definitely a interesting uh, tidbit right there. Uh, we're going to go into this week's uh, breakdown of this week's fights coming up as far as uh, championship fights. Uh, starting off with the ladies. We got uh, Clarissa Shields making her first attempt at an actual uh, recognized belt. Uh, going against Nikki Adler for her WBC belt and making IBS super middleweight title. Um, Chris over there. Somebody got to take that press. Somebody got to take the press out. Take the dog. The dog for the walk yet. <laughs> Man, <laughs> you heard that? One? <laughs> we, uh, hey, she she mad she mad at him right now because he ain't talking about Golovkin. That's exactly what it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right, right. Right. <laughs> uh, let me get you guys' thoughts on this fight. Um, this is a, a testy foe for Clarissa. You know, her first real uh, recognized title. Uh, Okay, let me get you get your analysis of this one, man. Um, Nikki Adler's a good fighter, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, she's done some excellent work at uh at super middleweight. You know what I'm saying? So this is gonna be a. Uh, I think she's probably the second best fighter behind Christina Hammer. Um, at the in the division, so it's gonna be a good fight. Um, I think that Nikki Adler is a good boxer. Um, it was a it was a well picked fight uh, because they were talking about they've been talking about Christina Hammer and recently you know uh, Clarissa Shields said Christina Hammer is an average fighter she said that uh, in a in a statement like I think maybe a month ago I can't remember how far back it was but she said Hammer's just an average fighter but she sure as hell didn't take her as she went <laughs> to Nikki Adler which was the better pick um, she's a good boxer but she gets hit she can be hit. I think the aggressive style of Clarissa Shields will overwhelm Adler. Um, I don't think Clarissa is going to knock her out. Maybe she will, but I don't think she will. Um, but I do see Clarissa actually getting the win in this fight. And she's fighting for the uh, – it's going to be the WBC uh, female title and then, of course, the vacant IBF. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I think, uh, I think she will be you know, a two-time or at least a, a two-belt holder. Uh, with four only four wins on her record, so um, it's it's gonna be a good fight. It's something that I'm not gonna miss. She talking about Christina Hammer after this fight again. I'll fucking reiterate. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Do not fight Christina Hammer anytime in less than ten to fifteen fights. You need much more experience. She's not even fighting the same way she fought as an amateur. You know, she was more of a boxer uh, than the than this aggressive kind of brawler type that she's been uh, in, the, in her first three fights as a professional. And she was more defensively sound as an amateur. I don't know why the changeup. Maybe she's trying to be more fan-friendly because she's becoming the face of women's boxing. 
Um, you know, of course, she's the only woman to headline a a, a main event card on a, on network television. So she's as well this she, one, I believe, as well. So and this one as well, exactly. So this will be the second one that she's done, um, and you know, no other female has done this before. Um, so she's she's gradually becoming the face of women's boxing. So I think she's trying to make herself fan friendly, um, but it could backfire in this fight. I think it definitely backfires against Christina Hammer. So we'll see, man. It's going to be an excellent fight. I hope Nikki Adler brings it. I hope she does uh, uh, everything that she has done up to this point in her career. In this fight, she's 16-0 with nine knockouts. If she stays on the outside and, and boxes Clarissa, she's got an excellent chance. If she gets caught in a firefight, which she has been in the past, I could see her getting beat up pretty badly, man. So, man, it's going to be good, but I got Clarissa Shields taking this. All right. Uh, you got UD? Uh, yes, sir. UD. Okay. I could definitely uh, be the one to second that one. I got UD. Um, I don't see Clarissa Shields being uh, somebody that's going to be a big stoppage, somebody that's going to be known for stoppages in the pros uh, just based off her first couple of fights. I don't see her being that Christy Martin type that I think she's trying to be, uh, you know, in a blossoming exactly. the woman's sport. Um, I don't see her being that, but I think that's what she's kind of modeled herself after as a pro right now is Christy Martin, who, you know, was very fan-friendly, but she was getting motherfuckers out of there at the same time. And um, I'll go ahead and uh, say this. I just don't think she's acclimated to the pro game yet, man, as far as pacing herself, patience, picking her shots, which, you know, 2K alluded to that she did a whole lot better, even in the amateurs, which I'm surprised it didn't translate into the pros. Um, so I'll go ahead and, uh, let you guys take it as well. Can I get some predictions from you, Chris, Bo, and, uh, Bernard and Nicole as well, uh, starting with Chris. I think it's a fairly lopsided decision, honestly. Shields is the best fighter she's faced, and she's the best that Shields has faced. I don't know. Zabatis may be the best fighter that, um, either one of them's faced, honestly, coming into this fight. Yeah. And, uh, in my opinion, I think she's the best that either one of them has faced. I think, uh. I think you're looking at a, uh, what is it, a 10-round fight for ladies. So I think you're probably looking at about a 98, 92 card, somewhere in that area maybe. Okay. Yeah. Solid. All right, uh, Big Cool, um, what you, what you think about this one? You got a uh, – you got one You got All right, uh, Bernard, uh, I know you're usually the one that like to throw the wrinkle and something. Um, no analysis needed. <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> I mean, hey, I almost said this hashtag. She is fighting on my birthday, and I would love her to see her win. But you know what? I'm going to go against the grain and say uh, her opponent keeps her built by UD. Okay. All right. Wait, wait, wait. This is, it's not surprising from Bernard. He just wants to be the guy that says, I told you so, if the big upset happens. You know what, Chris? He's he's done this shit to us at least like three or four twice, times. Twice, yeah. I know twice, Chris okay. has got <laughs> Shout out to Yuri Foreman. Fuck out of here. Him making a pick like that, 
is like he plays the casual role. So even if he's wrong, it, it don't hurt him credibility wise. We the motherfucker that don't get this shit. We don't get this shit right. We the motherfucker that We look like the dumbass. We don't get this shit right. You know that's the fucked up thing. But man, um, I agree with everything Two K said, man. Uh, that uh, uh, but I just want to touch up on this. I'm not surprised at what we're saying with Clarissa Shields because I say this again. In the amateurs, it was structure. It was um, everything was already laid out for her. She's now she's a pro. She's kind of choosing her own path. And honestly, man, instead of her going with what works, she's trying to find. It seems to me her fight. She's trying to find what's working for her. She's trying to find her uh, her own identity. As if that really wasn't her. We saw winning them gold medals. That that was somebody else' uh, way of fighting for her. So she's making it hard herself because she yeah. is refusing to do what has shown us it works because maybe somebody told her, well, when you turn pro, it's different. You can't fight like the amateur style don't work in a pro. Maybe somebody told her that shit, which is bullshit, okay? <laughs> maybe some motherfucking body told her that shit, right? But even if you tell her that shit, you're not a power puncher. You never have been. Stop trying to be something you're not. Be something that you are. So... But she should, yeah, she should she should win a unanimous decision. But I'm with 2K. Don't put her by Christina fucking hammer. Absolutely. If you not. do, you can ruin her fucking career. Okay. Yeah, there's another I mean, uh, I, name I, being thrown out there heart. for her is uh, Mary Shella Corneja as well. Which you know, I'd rather see her rather see her take that fight as opposed to Christina Hammer. I don't. Know uh, I do, I'll be honest. I don't think she takes that fight, dog, because Diva is tall. And this girl can punch. She goes to the body. I mean, matter of fact, her team is even better than Clarissa Shields' team. She's down there with Joe D. Her team is better than Clarissa Shields. Well, that's what I was going to bring up as well. Um, I know 2K was – I'm not 2K, but um, Big Cool is probably going to do this as part of his final blow. But I, I want to put some of this. Um, amateurs sticking with their amateur team, man, um, especially with Clarissa. She has a very inexperienced team when it comes to dealing with pros. Um, you know, they trained her. I mean, she's the biggest name that they've trained. And, of course, she's, what, three fights into her career. Um, do you think in her case it would be advantageous for her to switch to, like, a more recognized uh, trainer? I mean, I, it may not be familiar with these guys in training women, which I think may be the issue. I'm not sure what it is as far as her switching to somebody that's more adept to the pro game. Um, is that something you think is necessary for her? And I'll start with TK. Is that something she needs to do immediately if she wants to fight somebody like a Christina Hammer? The way they're they're pushing uh, for. You're talking about taking that that uh that extra fight in between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they they seem to do it. They want to do it before ten before ten fights. Like they're they're going oh. to, they're gunning for this fight quickly. So I'm like, do you think she needs to switch train teams now? Like, would it be advantageous? Oh. If that's the move they're going after. That's a good point. Um, Great point. Yeah, that that's a good point. It's kind of hard to answer that because she's only got three fights as a professional. You know, maybe um, her team could be. Her team could could have the effect that Mike Stafford has on Adrian Broner, right? Uh, very good as an amateur. Um, you know, carried her, obviously, to two Olympic gold medals, right? But maybe they can't do that much for her as a professional. Like, Mike Stafford really can't do shit for Adrian Broner. That's why he can't beat, 
you know, the top quality guys, even though he may have the skill set to do so. Same thing with uh, Clarissa Shields. So, but it's kind of hard to say at this point right now with only three fights in that, hey, uh, maybe you should get rid of your trainer if you're really trying to fight Christina Hammer within 10 fights. Because honestly, I'm just looking at her as the fighter. And I can't say it's the trainers that are like, hey, don't fight like you did as an amateur. Fight this way as a professional. That could be a personal decision made by Clar- uh, Clarissa Shields. You know what I'm saying? So if that's if that's the case, then switching trainers won't fucking matter, right? So to be safe, I'm just going to say, hey, don't fucking fight her ass until after <laughs> – <laughs> you know, you know I, I, I put it like this. I agree with TK, but this is what I think. Don't switch trainers, but bring someone with experience on the pro level into your camp to help you okay. out. Don't switch trainers. Like, go out and get um, – uh, because, let's say what you want to say. Robert Garcia, he has fighters prepared. His fighters always prepared. So go Hell get yeah. – you don't have to get Robert Garcia, but get someone – who understands and knows how to train you for this pro-level fight and bring them into your camp so they can tell, hey, this is what works. This is why you're getting hit too much. This is what is weak. You know, this is what this girl's weakness is, which is one of your strengths. Don't play into that. You know, the little things. So that's what they should do. Just bring somebody into that camp on that pro-level that can kind of say, listen, I know this is what you like, but if you want to make it easy and last long before you run into somebody that's going to ditch your face, this is what you need to do. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess we're going to get into the other uh, big fight for the weekend, uh, ESPN with their second uh, oh, card under this new top-ranked deal, uh, Vasil Lomachenko taking on Mariaga, Miguel Mariaga defending the WBO. Mm. <laughs> Um, I guess we'll try to make this uh, quick because I'm gonna try. I want to try and get some news out of Chris uh, about top some top ranked stuff and the Sil Lomachenko outside of this weak ass fight. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, go, go <laughs> I'll go ahead and let uh, Bo take this one first, man. Prediction. Um, yeah. I mean, man, we really don't even need a prediction. Uh, 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 so I'm not even gonna give one. You know. Um, the the bottom line is, man, um, you look at what's going on. Like, for, for, for whatever reason, fuck it. We know what the reason is. Motherfuckers got their hope insurance. Where guys like Egis Cleanest, and they can make moves, they can say shit and do shit, and it go completely under the radar, unnoticed, unrecognized, for whatever fucking reason, when they say shit. Because you tell the motherfucker you want to fight, bring your ass up here. He said, okay, I'm coming. Then you're like, well, wait a minute. We already had a fight lined up. Well, what the fuck you tell the motherfucker to come fight you for then if you already had a fight lined up? Bullshit. All right? And we all know whether people want to uh, uh, say it like, top rank killed me with this this notion that nobody wants to fight their guys. But then when you ask them, well, how much did you offer him? It, it doesn't matter what we offered. They just didn't want to fight. And, of course, you have Bob that will say shit to you like, my number hasn't changed yet. Well, neither has Rock Nation. So what the fuck are you saying? that Because that, last time I checked, a phone worked two ways, right? It can send and receive. <laughs> because I'm quite sure you picked up the phone and called Mariaga to come fight Lomachenko. I'm quite sure you picked up the phone and called Salido because Salido was, was fucking hounding you. So you picked up the phone and called Salido. Then for all those who say, well, Regal hasn't called him. What the fuck can Rigo call and offer them? He, what, what the fuck does he bring to the goddamn table that he can call and make a goddamn demand? Like, let's be reasonable here, motherfuckers. Really? Really? 
are you going to do, call for Bob to come back and say they wasn't serious? So y'all can continue to kiss his ass and suck his dick about shit he said out of his mouth? Really? So, I mean, you know, it is what it is, man. Until until we get motherfuckers to start seeing that this is – Bob Arams does this shit all the time. You make a weak offer, motherfuckers turn it down, and then they turn around and say, oh, they don't want to fight him. Okay, man, whatever, dog. That's why I'm, I'm no longer having these arguments with motherfuckers. If you don't want to see it, like, people ain't going to see what they don't want to see, and you, you're not going to change that about them. So, I mean, he should be Mariaga very, very easily, very easily. But for all of those Lomachenko fans that's kind of tripping about why people don't like this fight is because no one likes a fight where a guy loses. I didn't, I, I, Adrian Brown, if I asked him Thea Payne for a vacant belt at 140, I didn't care for that considering the fact he just came off a loss. 2K, 2K even said it. People was upset when, when, he lost, when he lost in the title fight, then he gets another title shot. Jesse Vargas, I didn't like the fact he lost the title shot, he got another title shot. Like, this seems yeah. to be the top right fucking thing here. And, and, and motherfuckers just have a thing about, dog, you just had a loss and now you're in another title match? Like, that yeah. just don't resonate with people. Like, there's nobody you can tell me at 130 you could have picked. At 130, you could, I mean, anybody, I, mean I understand Salido. Uh, you know, the fight didn't go down with Salido. Okay, fine. But don't don't tell me you're looking forward and not looking backwards, but you look back to pull a motherfucker from 126 just lost a fight to fight uh, for 130 pounds. Like, what has he done out of all them dudes at 130? What the fuck has he done to leapfrog all them motherfuckers to fight? And that's the part I want people to understand. Ain't, ain't nobody talking about y'all fighter. We're not talking about y'all fighter. We're talking about his team and the moves being made around him. And if you can't understand that, I ain't got no more fucking words for you, man. All right, uh, Big Cool, taking it on D, man. Uh, prediction? August 19th. That's what we're going to do. Nice answer. I'll actually be covering that fight, too, man. I'll be happy to cover that one. Nice big card, man. Uh, Chris, our guest on the show. Uh, well, I guess I'll come to you last since I want to ask you some questions about that camp and all. Um, okay. uh, Bernard, quick prediction. Um, Lomachenko. <laughs> I mean, you want me to really go against the gray on this one? I'd be a fool. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't expect you to. Um, but you going against against the grain on this one would be saying Miguel Mariaga survives till the last round as well. So, let's hope he get past four. Shit. <laughs> I hope not. All right, two K. Man, why are we even giving predictions on this bullshit ass fight? You know what I'm saying? This, if let me just put it this way: if Lomachenko don't knock this boy out within four rounds, then I'm gonna tell everybody Guillermo Rigondeaux can knock out Vasil Lomachenko just to piss them niggas off. Pass it on to Chris. Well, you know, well, you know the word. Well, you know the word. Two K Lomachenko pisses off motherfuckers automatically. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I would say this, bro. Two initials BD is gonna be pissed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I already know you're talking about. <laughs> That's who I'm fucking with too. Yep. I like. I like to fuck with him. You talking about Bill? <laughs> <laughs> Reputation is that wide, niggas. Not, niggas Chris, yeah, he Chris all over like that on that kind of occasion, man. It, 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 it's it's every once in a while. 
and he already knew right. what we were talking about. That don't make no sense, man. Man, I mean, well, he fawns <laughs> all over Lomachenko. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Lomachenko and Rigondeaux are my two favorite fighters right now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. they are. I, you'll hear me say that a numerous times, and I try to stay out of them threads because I catch myself arguing with both sides. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I do. I catch myself going, wait a minute, man. Come on. Like if it's a post about Rigondeaux or him ducking Rigondeaux, I'll argue for Lomachenko. If it's about Rigo ducking him, I'll argue for Rigo. You know what I mean? I know what happened in this fight, why it fell apart like it did. You know what I mean? What happens is when ESPN budgets a, budgets a card, okay, All right. they had pre-budgeted this card and the Crawford card as a package deal. You see what I'm saying? For the month of August. Yep. Now, once Salito had pulled out, Beltron got added to this card instead of the other card. You see what I'm saying? Okay. That that cuts down on the money available for the opponent. Now, but, like Bo said, you can't run your fucking mouth like Clemens did and then not answer when the motherfucker comes to your door. You know? You can't do that. It looks yeah. like a bad look. I agree. It's a bad look. And the fact is that neither one of them two guys are scared of no damn body in the world that's within 30 pounds of them. You know? That's just the fact. They're world-class prize fighters. I've been dealing with these guys for 30 years, man. They don't understand what fear is. You know what I mean? When you say he's scared of this guy, bullshit. They're not scared of nobody that's within close to their weight class, you know? The fact, these are world-class amateur fighters, them two are, okay? And they haven't had a choice but to fight the best guy available their entire life, pretty much, you know? That's, that's where they've been. Win yeah. this round, go to the next one. Like the best guy. When this round go to the next fight, so neither one of them two scared me of the other one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the management. And Aaron, Aaron, here's the problem everybody has with Aaron. Everybody that sues Aaron or used to be a fighter with him, it ain't. It isn't about money. It's about control over their careers. Agreed. He doesn't just let them fight whoever they want to. As crazy as that sounds, they don't have that control over their career. Being with Aaron. That's why so many, as they get up, you know, and get known, he's a hell of a guy to build a prospect with. That's about it, though. Once, you, once that's established, you need to get away from him if you want to continue to grow your legacy. It's the reason Garcia left him. Hmm. You know, Good and point. that's what it boils down to is he, he doesn't – well, I mean, think about it. Pacquiao did not want to fight Horn. Nope. He tried his damnedest to get out of that fight, but where the hell did he end up fighting? He not only ended up fighting, Garcia, he fought him in his fucking backyard. And Garcia <laughs> wouldn't have got the fights he got under Aram, to be honest with you. He, 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 wouldn't, he wouldn't have got Adrian Broner. No. He wouldn't absolutely have got that fight. Absolutely not. Yeah. All right. Now, I mean, not, he, he, he put on his, his prized possession of Pacquiao. He told him, like, you want to do what? Let me show you, motherfucker. Here, go down there to Australia and fight the kangaroos. <laughs> I'll show you. Put a fucking poll on Twitter. Who do you think you are, Boy Mayweather? <laughs> That's exactly Damn. what he does to him. And you're talking about Bradley being a yes man. Yeah, he's a yes man. Fuck him. He didn't want to get blackballed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, he was getting a couple million dollars to fight, you know? Yeah. 
But Chris, uh, what can you tell us about Lomachenko's uh, camp as far as their plans? I know um, you may have some info as far as Rigo really being, I mean, they're still seriously looking at him, even though it didn't happen this time around. Um, is this something we could expect moving forward, or is the 135 move uh, the next thing to happen? I believe that uh, I don't know everything there is to know about this by before the Crawford fight goes off. All right. Todd, um, Todd, which is Bob's uh, stepson, he's actually the president of Top Rank. The both, right? Todd, the both, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He's actually the president of Top Rank. And uh, I I haven't talked to him in a while. I usually talk to Carl Moretti. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, who is that? Who is vice, president. vice president. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's vice president okay. of Top Rank. Okay, now, okay. <clears throat> according to him, they want to try to make this fight. But I believe if Garcia is available, that they'll try to make that one. Okay. Because it's a chance. It's a money fight. It's a big money fight. It's the biggest money fight on the table right now. Uh, dare I say for top rank period. Without Crawford going to 147. Okay, and there would be no promotional politics involved. And I know Garcia's not even tied to – he's only tied to Al Heyman. He's not tied to an actual promoter. Exactly. Um, so there would be no promotion. There wouldn't be any uh, There's not as much conflict there as people think. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, Robert's been the guy to him all the time. Robert's been the guy to him all the time. Okay. You know, there's not as much conflict there as people think. I mean, Bob – Chris, I got a – Go ahead. No, I, I, I got a question for you because I, I think – because when I, I did the video talking about this deal with, with top rank ESPN, and this is what my my my, my when I was explaining to people was this. In my personal opinion, I feel that top rank by putting Manny on ESPN first, kind of could hurt themselves because you put Manny on, you get all these ratings. Now you're not going to get the ratings again without these other fighters. You're not going to get it with Lomachenko. You're not going to get it with Terence Crawford. Okay. And ESPN is basing everything going forward off of these first set of ratings. So as these numbers start coming in and you're not doing the same because they did it to PBC and your numbers are going down and down and down, I think in order for him to be successful in ESPN, he's going to have to reach out and make fights with some of the other, with some of the other um, entities like PBC and even Golden Boy. Because okay. you, you, you can't be like – I don't think Manny's going to make another appearance on ESPN. Like, after this, you're going to have to do pay-per-view. So, you know, you got Crawford, you got Lomachenko. Nobody's really talking about this fight. You know, very few people are even talking about this fight. This fight's next week. And I hear, I really hear a lot of people even talking about this Julius and Dongo, Terrence Crawford fight. So if Crazy. you're going to be, make this successful, because remember, like you said, this isn't a timeshare where you buy minutes. This is ESPN giving you a budget. So if ESPN, just, just like the movie they just made right now, so you can go get another fighter because ESPN, they decided to add someone to the car to eat up the money. So Yeah. And, and people are like, oh, this is going to – I'm like, no, the only way this can be successful is if they do – they are able to actually pay guys from across to come over and actually fight. You're absolutely correct, man. They sold a full with PBC that have been making good money already, you know, Bob likes to, you know, uh, you got a guy like Lomachenko that has, uh, well, I guess his guarantee is higher than 750 uh, per fight, actually. Um, I mean, that's going to get away in, in, in a lot of the fights, you know, especially uh, Rigo. Um, or uh, 
you know, Mikey, you know, with them, can that really be made on ESPN? Is the money there for them to make a, a, a Loma yeah, that and Mikey Garcia fight? That fight, I that believe, can't. could be made, and that's could rigging you out. But you're looking at something that's going to have a real weak undercard, probably. I mean, you're only looking at which about... Is fine, which make, is fine for ESPN. It's fine for yeah. ESPN to have a weak undercard, I think, if you're giving us that as a headline. So. Exactly. I, you're looking at, to make... Uh, Lomo and Rigo, you're looking at a probably they would need to budget about two point five to two point eight million dollars, somewhere in that area. Because and with Garcia, what do you think it would be even more than that? I think he about has a higher profile than Rigo. Okay. Yeah. And that, that's something that that's doable under this uh, current ESPN deal. Yeah, they just did it. For, they just did more than that for the Horn Pacquiao. Pacquiao. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, something that can be done. But Bo's right. They sold him pools gold with a Pacquiao part card first. This this card coming up won't do. It might do. It will not get nowhere near a two point rating. We'll get close to it, I wouldn't think. I mean, they're advertising good. There's a run up all week on the on uh, classic fights, you know, on all the ESPN, you know, networks and the app. But it just yeah, the pro there at all for this fight. Like I haven't really heard anything about it, and didn't even know it was this weekend. You know. Um, nope. The one that pisses me off is Crawford and Hidalgo. Does people realize we're getting ready to have an undisputed champion? Because I yeah. think I reported last week, I think it was last week sometime I reported, that the IBF actually approved it. It's going to be for the undisputed championship in the world at Junior Welterweight. All right? mm-hmm. This hasn't happened since Jermaine Taylor was fighting, since he beat Hopkins. But yet, the day after it happens, half a boxing scene is going to be filled up with the Mayweather-McGregor bullshit because it's the very next weekend. Yeah, it's a very unfortunate thing right now. Um, Floyd, retire, stay retired. You're taking the shine away from shit that needs to be talked about. Um, exactly. You're going to fight, fight these motherfucking true fighters, true welterweights. I think yeah. it's sad that this fight is actually, this, uh, this, I haven't wanted to call it the fight. I've just been calling it the fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I haven't been wanting to put a stamp on it. It bothered me. I ain't wanted to cover it at all. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I got my media pass and stuff for it, but. I, I, I ain't wanted to cover it. I'm going to be honest. I haven't. I did break the uh, Martinez-Davis uh, thing like last week. I announced mm-hmm. that. Um, I picked that up from dealing with Martinez's people, you know, and talked to LB, but it, he wouldn't really go into it, you know. Okay. He, uh, <clears throat> but he wouldn't deny it. A lot of times when you're dealing with me in the media, Sometimes uh, no comment is a confirmation, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. But, but the guys, let me tell you what they do in the media. Is they put out what we call feelers. All right? Mayweather was the world's best at it. Put this out there and see what the media says. You see what I'm saying? And what is the media? What's the public's response to it? What's the comments on the uh, boxing scene form? What's the comments on boxing form? What's the comment? You know what I mean? Everywhere. They're reading this stuff. They got guys that do this all day. That's all they do. All right, they're checking our shit on Facebook. That shit gets checked all the time. All right, they got that's all they do. Now Floyd ain't reading it. I'm not, and this ain't no joke on his reading problem. But he he can read, by the way. <laughs> and but they do have guys. That's all they do, you know. So they put these feelers out there. And Top Ranks had them out there about the Rigo and Loma fight. It's been out for about a month now. The feelers have. And I believe the fight may happen. 
I believe it may happen. I hope it does. I, I hate that it's going to have to happen at 130 because I'd have rather seen it at 126. But the few pounds Loma has put on has been all muscle. So I don't know. If, I mean, it ain't the four pounds, I know, but that's four pounds is a lot at that weight, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if I was Rigo, I wouldn't try to come up to 130. If I had to weigh in at 127, that's what I weighed in at. I wouldn't blow up for it, you know. And I don't even know who I'll pull for, but I know one thing. If that fight happens, I won't give a shit if it is in Indonesia where Chris John is from. All right? If I have to paddle a canoe across the Atlantic to get there, I'm going. <laughs> it's the biggest event in my eyes as a follower of the sport, you know, and being involved in amateur boxing and stuff for so long. It's the biggest po- – there's never been two gold medals meeting the rings as pros. You know? That's never happened. It's asking – I mean, the chances of seeing that fight – it was a true rarity. <laughs> Very interesting points you mentioned right there. Very interesting. Um, <laughs> I guess we're gonna go. We'll go into our final blow up. Big cool has something he had put together for a segment. Uh, we're gonna let you get into it, man. Uh, with this week's final blow. All right, man. I'm calling out two people. First, of all, I'm calling out myself. I had a casual moment. <laughs> Everybody that I respect. Uh, whether it's my boys from CBT or y'all from the movement, the Project of Boxing Talk, two facts about boxing. Warming, Big Cool, Adrian Broner has no chance. Me, oh, man, y'all wrong. Y'all don't see it or whatever, whatever. He has a chance. He's going to bully Mikey Garcia. He's going to – I didn't even focus on the focus shit, you know what I'm saying? I just feel that, you know, he was just going to be, you know, a guy that, you know, since his opponent was Mikey, he was going to take it serious, make the weight, and, you know, go to work. Obviously, I was wrong. Um, so I keep it real myself. I'm own up to having that casual moment. I acknowledge I had to take emotion out of this shit when I uh, make certain picks with certain fighters, including my boy Deontay Wilder. So don't expect me to pick Wilder against Ortiz if that fight happens because, you know what I'm saying, I got to be real, realistic with what I'm watching. You know, shout out to my boy 2K. You know, y'all keep me on my toes. You know, got to be honest and got to, you know, look at everything you see and, and just be objective. So, I'm calling myself out on for having a casual moment and, you know, not listening to y'all guys who know more about this sport than I do, you know, because I've been associated with y'all long enough to know better than to pick a fight off emotion. So, you know, that's my bad on that. Now, to Adrian Broner, man, I'm through with Adrian Broner. You know what I'm saying? This is still a small part of me that like him, you know, funny guy. Like 2K said earlier in the uh, podcast, tremendous heart, tremendous will to fight anybody. But that's where the compliment is going to stop because he just doesn't care. You know what I'm saying? And I see guys who have been blessed and fortunate to be around these legends of the sport, you know, and kind of feed off that knowledge like a sponge. They soak it in and, you know, they take, take full advantage of all the opportunities given. And I'm going to use Bobby Jack for an example. I'm pretty sure you all have heard me say it before. He's promoted by Floyd Mayweather Jr. And he got knocked out by Derek Edwards, what, two, three years ago. You know, instead of folding up, becoming an afterthought, you know, he continued to learn, you know, from Floyd and, you know, Eddie Mustafa, um, you know, before he left him, and he got better. Broner had access to Floyd. Call him, text him, spend the night, you know, whatever it is, Floyd was there. And instead of picking up on the professionalism as a boxer, as a fighter, how to take care of yourself, he just he just looked at the, the money made with the side of, you know, going to the club, throwing money, 
You know, we know Floyd don't drink, smoke, abuse his body. Broner didn't take anything away from Floyd as how to prepare, you know, to be the best fighter you can. He often overlooked his opponents, underprepared, and to be 28 years old and talk about as a gatekeeper, as a four-division, four you know, world champion is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? I guess he's a cautionary tale of what not to be. You know what I'm saying? So all upcoming fighters, if you are ever fortunate and blessed to be in a position where you're around great fighters who take their, you know, craft serious, please pay attention. You know, get all the knowledge and, you know, everything you can so you don't want, you know, so you won't be considered an agent bro, and a, a guy with, if you're a B-level fighter, that could get you to the Hall of Fame because that's good enough to be, you know, take yourself to, you know, from B to A if you want to. It's not like Broner was a, a Granado, no disrespect to him, or John Molina, where, you know, okay, you expect him. He's tough. He gives you great fights. This is a guy that at one point was looked at as a guy that could be a top five, top ten pound-for-pound guy. He just wanted the opportunity because he's lazy. He want to be a rapper. He want to be a promoter. He want to be a porno star. He want to be everything but what he's supposed to be, and that's a boxer. So, Adrian, I haven't lost respect for you as a fighter, but I'm not rooting for you, and I'm not even going to be eager to see you fight again because you're just taking up space for other fighters that's going to get these opportunities and that's going to shine or at least put up a better effort and be well prepared to, you know, put up a shut up. You know what I'm saying? In the post-fight you know, interview with Jim Gray, you got mad when motherfuckers were speaking the truth. And what, what you know, leaves in my mind is that you bragged about being a four-time champion, which is, you know, that's something to brag about. But, dude, you, when you look at it, your resume hasn't been the best, and you haven't really beat an elite guy at all in your career. Arguably lost to Pauli Malignaggi and Adrian Granado. So you really could have five losses on your resume. But you want to brag about, you know, everything except – be having these wins over guys you could have easily beat. So you want to be about billions instead of about business, and you slowly fade into an afterthought, man. So, I mean, like I said, I don't look forward to seeing you fight no more. I watch you because I love boxing, but no more picking emo- picking fighters, you know, or picking fights with emotion for me, and no more room for Adrian Broner, man, because he don't appreciate the opportunity that he's been blessed with. So that's my final blow. No. Big up on that one, uh, Big Cool. Um, as 2K likes to say, he uh, uses this word that I only seen one time in life, and that was on the, the college SAT. Um, use <laughs> discernment. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Damn. Oh, that's my shit. The shit this nigga listen to here. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, man, but I'm going to let everybody uh, get their handles and everything before we get off. Of course, uh, we're going to start with our guest this week, man. I'm glad to have you on, man. Always an honor. Always uh, give us uh, good informative news. Chris Henderson, uh, give them your uh, social media handles and where they can find you, man. You can find me at uh, Facebook back, you know, Facebook.com backslash Four Corners Boxing Talk. Um, at Four Corners Boxing Talk on Twitter and Instagram, but you got to leave the G off. Well, Twitter, I think you got to leave from the – you stop at the N on boxing, actually, because don't have but so many yeah. – you allowed to have but so many uh, characters. But okay. everything's at Four Corners, you know. So I'm always there, and I'm, I'm in and out of the groups at all times. 
I'm mainly in like Eastwick and PCR places like that. I'm in another co- group called the Fight Ball. I'm in a couple of uh, like fighter and trainer groups. That's about it. All right, and just pay attention to his pages. He breaks stuff before most of these mainstream uh, guys do. Like, and I mean, like weeks in advance, literally. So, I mean, he be on top of this shit. Um, gonna pass it on to 2K. Um, I'm gonna pay extra attention this time. I mean, because I want to be extra prepared next week to get it right during introductions. <laughs> or uh, I want to add, Chris is being modest. He forgot to tell y'all that he's a certified schizophrenic. This motherfucker has like four different uh, profiles on Facebook, and he's been sitting out arguing with himself and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is Anderson and Chris? You got like you got like four of them, man. I do oh, have man. because they won't allow you to share them so many times, and they'll block you from the group for a couple for a damn week. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Nah, but uh, nah, but uh, it's uh, uh my channel's uh, Prodigy of Boston Talk. Um, definitely catch me on there. Unfiltered. If you got virgin ears, do not go there. It's not for you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I say whatever the fuck I want. I'm going to say it however the fuck I want to say it. And I don't give a fuck who has a problem with it. Um, Shots fired. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Golf and catch me, of course. On here every Sunday night. It's supposed to be every Sunday night. Um, uh, 5.30 Pacific, 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern. Um, Eastwick Boxing Group on Facebook, The Movement Boxing, uh, a lot of other different Facebook, I mean, uh, 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 groups on Facebook. Um, also on Google Plus, Boxing Burner, a lot of different places there. You'll see the face, the profile picture, the motherfucker you really can't see with the hat tilted forward, that's me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm on either killing some casuals or I'm putting up some good content, so look for me out there. All right, um, Pass it on to Big Cool. Um, where can they find your handle uh, on social media, man? Follow us on Twitter at Colossal CBT. You know, YouTube, Colossal Boxing Talk CBT. Eastwick, the movement, uh, talking boxing bullshit, TCR, and all these other groups. You know, and I'm on the podcast every Sunday. You know, yeah. Well, it's a goddamn lie you ain't on here every Sunday. <laughs> Hey, I've been I've been moving and tending to some personal issues, but I'm I'm back though. I'm back. Okay, oh, dig up, man. We glad to have you back though, man. Uh chill, let me pass it on to BB and CC Winans. Um <laughs> Yo, I guess I'm BB man. I'm gonna spit my fuck out, man. All right, you can find me, Bernard, on the movement Instagram page, D-A-M-U-Z-M-E-N-T-B-P. Also on the Twitter page, the movement boxing, capital D, capital M, capital B. You can find me in the Facebook groups, talking boxing bullshit, Eastwick, the movement, Ring IQ, SSS Boxing Talk, Fisticuffs, as well as others. Uh, other than that, I'm um, passing my oh yeah, finally with my partner Bo, a truth and facts about boxing on YouTube. 
and Tessivo. Well, not only do we say whatever the fuck he want on his own channel, that motherfucker comes to anybody's channel and say whatever the fuck he want to say. So when he comes to my channel, my shit is not PG fucking 13. So, and, and, and of course. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You know, not only will that motherfucker do whatever the fuck he want, he going to say whatever the fuck he want, not just on his channel, in life, motherfucking period. You don't believe me? Get a nigga your address. But um, <laughs> you, can, you can find me. <laughs> don't let that nigga get no good eggs in him, goddammit. It's on for real then. But you can find <laughs> me. <laughs> get the meat in the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me at Truth the Facts About Boxing. Uh, always, You can always find me right here with my boys. Talking Boxing. Uh, if you, you can find us on Talking Boxing and Bullshit and the Movement. They're warning if you don't have thick skin, you're going to get your fucking feelings hurt and ran out the goddamn room. That's just, that's just how it is. <laughs> that's, just, that's just how it the fuck is. If, if, if you're having a bad day and you're not in the mood, you better not leave a fucking comment. <laughs> don't give a fuck about your feelings. And, uh, of course, pound for pound, catch us, catch us on Twitter at uh, truth underscore fact box one along with Instagram. And, uh, man, let me just, you know, shout out to my partner because that Detective B shit, that shit is fucking hilarious. So shout out, you know, shout out to him for that. And uh, my man Willie the Kid that was on 2K's Breakdown, uh, if y'all didn't watch that video, I watched it today. And they was talking about the Toe Ten Davis and, and, and Tavon Farmer thing. Uh, so, just shout out to everybody out there doing it. They're cool. And everybody out there, man, shout out to all of them. Pay attention, and this is the moment. All right. Um, definitely, before we sign out, I definitely want to uh, give a shout out to Tevin, uh, Tevon Farmer. Um, with Tevin Farmer, he uh, was shot over the weekend. He's recovering well. Um, we wish him nothing but the best in his recovery and want to see him back in the ring as soon as possible, man. Um, with yeah. that said, um, I'm trying to divine liberty at boobjab.com and, of course, the movement. Um, you know, we come together and do this thing. You know, we all got all got our separate entities, you know what I'm saying? But we come together and do this thing and collaborate to make it the movement and bring y'all, you know, the, the best we can, man. So thanks for the continued support. We're going to keep bringing it for y'all, man. And until next week, peace. Peace.